0: in any event uh, the music was the key thing and then music was played uh, when we were living on the Lower East Side particularly in the summer the windows were open we'd see things in the street, fights or people dancing or something and there'd be music coming from different windows, different places uh, whether it was rock and roll, swing or opera or anything like that so that my life was scored with music that I never heard in a film. So I said, if I ever make a film, I'd put this song against that. And very often it was quite ironic counterpoint with uh, some pretty awful scene going on down there and this uh, happy, swinging music going on in the background. And it was pretty interesting. And, uh, um, and so that's how I saw the world. And I think... Um, Meenstries was the first one to do that little last picture but, show. But
1: remember, this was all pre-MTV, and it oh, wasn't, yeah, no, this was not it, acceptable yeah. in formatting. No, editing. no, you had to have a
0: score, yeah. traditional score. But I also had listened to, let's say, the music in Pads of Glory, a Stanley Kubrick's film, where he, he liked drums, you see, and uh, uh, the percussion in that film is interesting, and then, of course, uh, his use of music in 2001. And so, for me, and, of course, you can't forget the extraordinary um, Scorpio Rising, Kenneth Anger an underground film that was made in San Francisco with use of of popular music. Uh, And anyway, uh, but it was a 25-minute film and I saw that and I said, well, you know, people could do it. And so I just took the music that I knew of and put it in Main Street and again at Alice. Taxi Driver, Travis didn't listen to music, so I said the only man who could do the score would be Bernard Herrmann.
2: Oftentimes what I'll do is when um, I'm thinking about what the next story could possibly be that would be, be right, I'll go into my record collection and I, I go through them all, and then I start playing different songs. This different, is vinyl? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can do CDs, mm-hmm. but mostly it's vinyl. And it's like, I'm either I'm looking for some pop songs or I'm looking for uh, 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 some soundtracks, and that's going to give me, like, the beat of the movie, the rhythm of the movie, like, say, in something like Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. It was like I started diving. Oh, thanks. I started diving um, through my soul music collection wow. and then just found what was exactly, you know, kind of what would be... This is this is the beat of the movie. This is the soul of the movie that I'm using. And that actually helps me, uh, actually inspires me to kind of continue forward. And anytime I'm writing, uh, and I want to, need to pick me up or I need to get plugged in again, I'll play some of the pieces of music that I'm thinking of using in the movie. And I, I'm literally in a movie theater in my head, and I'm, I'm seeing it on screen, and I'm seeing the scenes play out.
3: And how many of these songs, when you look back, how many of them did you realize
2: like when I make this movie this song has to be in this film and this song has to be in this particular scene.
4: It it runs the gamut but I would say a percentage of them are in the script you know I'll say this song right here it's in the script then others you sort of feel your way you feel your way through and then some happy accidents some you can't get the rights to right you know you can't they won't there were several songs I couldn't get and it just, it runs the gamut. But uh, the fun part, I think, is in post-production. You know, I've shot the movie and I'm still mixing and matching in some songs. And, uh, you know, they just, it's, it's so fun when you're creating something like this because, you know, it's just the jukebox in your mind. I was, you know, looking at Sweet Emotion for the very beginning. I was in pre-production, but I didn't really have an opening credit song right. in, the, in the script yet. I was thinking, <laughs> I wasn't even sure of my opening credit sequence. I was still thinking about it. But I was getting... Uh, some dental surgery, and I asked him to like tweak up the nitrous oxide a little bit, you know, <laughs> just you know, a little extra, please. And uh, sure enough, the little jukebox, my, I could hear that first little boom, boom, boom you know, that percolating beginning, and I yes. just saw this dark screen, some credits start. It, I was just, I was like, there it was, it might, it just was a little marriage in my head, so I was like, okay sweet emotion we'll we'll try to get that song to kick it up so it, it comes from everywhere
5: the new beverly cinema presents the pure cinema podcast um so we are very excited uh about this episode this is our sort of summer fun episode even though it's coming out in september uh we have a returning guest one of three returning guests that we've ever had on the show And uh, Miss Millie DiCiurco is joining us again. Thank you for coming back, Millie.
6: Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be back.
5: We are honored to have you back. Millie, of course, programs TCM Underground. Um, Millie is one of our favorite programmers, and we're always happy to talk Movies with her, but we have an exciting, very fun combo topic on this. Yeah, we're episode. excited.
7: We're going to talk uh, Nick Cage movies with you, uh, <laughs> and, and she's prepared endlessly for this. No, no, we were we were at one point going to do Nick Cage. For fun. Uh, <laughs> you I, could
6: wing a Nick Cage. I just
7: thing. felt like too many people are doing Nick this summer, as much as I love Cage. One one so, person, one, one friend of mine. So I felt burned. <laughs> so ridiculous. Well, I'll
6: talk about Moonstruck how about that. Okay, let's do. it. <laughs> well, right, so. ma-
7: hey, you never know. A Nick Cage soundtrack could be on somebody's it's list. That's true. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey. exciting. Uh, but soundtracks are fun because they're kind of also hard to talk. Talk about so I'm curious how this will go. It, you know what I mean? It's how, especially if you're trying to limit it to a track, because the whole point is it's multi tracks. You know, yeah. Uh, so w- yeah, we'll see how we go. But it, it is. I think it's also you start. It starts to really highlight your own taste. Like I'm looking at mine, going, I yeah, it's so." I tried it at first. I'll do a broad net, and then I'm like, "No, I'm. This is all the same shit." And it's stuff that I love, <laughs> and it's it's kind of ridiculous, you know.
6: <laughs> well, and also too, like because you the, you have certain parameters that you mm. told me about. So like it, it's we're not doing scores, yes. right?
5: Yes, we're doing so- song-based soundtracks only, yeah. and we'd like to, for the sake of putting it together, what we can talk about. All you can talk about, you can list the whole soundtrack if you want, but just highlighting one track that is maybe a favorite track. There's each
7: one soundtrack. that I might need to. All right, fine. <laughs> the whole soundtrack. We always cheat. We always cheat. Yeah,
1: sure.
7: So you know, before we started recording, you started to talk about something, and I was like, wait, because I was very curious about this, uh, a playlist
5: of yours about characters that you. Yeah, yeah Tumblr. Tell, Tell, Tell me us me about more. this Tumblr.
6: <sighs> yeah. So, like, okay. Um, not to go too far back into my her, my personal history, but I used to be a DJ, mm-hmm. and, um, I get really, and, and I really and and I'm a programmer, so this kind of makes sense. But I love making playlists. And I would always have to. I made playlists a lot when I was DJing, just because it's easier for me to kind of plan out what I'm doing a little bit. And I wasn't a like a this was. I DJed before um, you know technology happened, so I was <laughs> still playing like CDs and vinyl and stuff. Not throwing so, an
5: iPod down and hitting play. That's <laughs> no,
6: not your jam. Yeah, cool. I was not a Serato DJ. <laughs> nice. Um, but it was that um, that thing where I was just kind of always in my head thinking about like what goes together, and and so I. I started, and I will admit, I was doing this at work. So I apologize, Turner Classic Movies. I was I was making these playlists on the company time, and um, you know, uh, but I started this Tumblr because I was obsessed with the idea of making playlists for like characters, mm. right? And I think that f- feels
5: like a great book,
6: yeah. like playlist yeah. for characters.
5: Like, you should totally make that a book.
6: Yeah. And so I don't know if anybody actually uses Tumblr anymore, but uh, it was a Tumblr. I think it's still up. Uh, I don't update it. It hasn't been updated in years, but basically it's. What was uh, it called? It's called Movie Character Mixtape. Movie Character hmm. Mixtape. Right? Yeah. And it was essentially like a, a collection of uh, playlists that they're very specific, right? <laughs> I like so, like, it. that's the other thing, too, is that, like, it's not just sort of like, hey, let's make a playlist for, like, you know, Uh, Diane Keaton and Annie Hall. This is like... (laughs) I made a playlist about... So there's there's one on there that's based on Dustin Hoffman and um, Bill Murray's friendship in Tootsie. You
3: couldn't wear pants? No, no. Pants? I can't... What about this thing? No, no. I don't have the right shoes for it. I hate the way the horizontal lines make me look too hippie, and and, and it cuts me
2: across the bust. I think we're getting into a weird area here.
6: Like they're roommates? (laughs) And I'm like... Wouldn't it be fun if we had a playlist for like a party that they're throwing? Because I think they throw a party in their <laughs> yeah, they do kind of, in the yeah. movie. And I'm like, what would be on that playlist? And I started thinking about like, what are these guys like? They're like New York guys in the early 80s. I'm like, there's probably some like last, you know, the days of disco we're waiting. And then there's kind of like new 80s stuff kind of coming out. And so I was kind of like really thinking about it. And so that's kind of what I started doing is I was making like playlists for, I made a playlist for um, Little Darlings so the nice. two girls and Little Darlings and it's, so it's like half Christy McNichol and half uh, Tatum O'Neill um, I love that.
5: By the way, that movie's available digitally now, and I somebody I just found out it's been available for like two months, and I literally just discovered last week. Really? You can buy Little Darlings on Amazon, uh, and the po- supposedly the uh, soundtrack is restored. You can buy it on Vudu, Amazon, iTunes, Oh all my it. gosh. Anyway. I would encourage exciting.
6: everyone to go get it because it's such a great movie. It's never
5: movie. been on home video outside of VHS.
6: Yeah. So then, it, so it started in, on Tumblr, and then it's just kind of like leaked into Spotify, because I guess Spotify was just the place to have playlists. And now I just have a playlist about a lot of different things, and I kind of made a playlist about who I didn't realize was Rick Dalton from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but he was. That's, like, the car- like the person that I made that playlist for is actually Rick Dalton. Nice. And I only made that connection, like, after I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, shit, this is, like, the stuff that he likes, right? This is, like, this guy. This is his, his soundtrack. So... Anyway, that's what I spend my time doing.
5: Nice.
7: <laughs> so you are the perfect guest for this. I had no idea any of that Baxter I just I thought you'd be a blast, so I, I didn't knew. realize that. That's cool.
5: Yes. Yeah. I was excited about this, because I, I was seeing some of those playlists, and I was like, oh shit. Millie's got some deep cuts that are beyond me, and I like to think I know a little bit about music, not nearly as much as I know about movies. but.
6: Well, but, I also think too that soundtracks, for me anyway, I'm sure you guys will probably talk about this, but it was a, it's like such a good entry point for me. Because uh, when I was growing up, I mean, stuff like just listening to certain soundtracks, it was sort of like it's like a sampler of, of all this stuff and it kind of evokes a time and so uh, you know if you want to live in that world of this movie it's just like listen to the songs that are in you know on the soundtrack and so for for me and also as a dj it was really helpful to bring soundtracks because you get a lot of cuts on one album so um,
7: I love how like a song can be – like when you listen to the soundtrack, the song can mean so much to you and it's like this prominent part because it's front and center. And then you watch a movie and it's like on the radio for four seconds and then they turn it off. And, <laughs> and you're like – it's like some some of those tracks are major emotional turning points and some are nothing. They're just total throwaway moments. But mm-hmm. on the soundtrack – and I actually was uh, the shocking thing to me was I have some soundtracks where I've listened to the soundtrack 50 times and had never even seen a movie. Uh, not a lot, but like some of the ones I really liked, yeah. I just – the movie had never caught up to me, to the what the soundtrack was, so it's it's bizarre when your entry point is the music to the movie. I mean, you work with music a lot too mm-hmm. in your career, so I figured you have an attuned ear to this kind of thing. Very
5: much, and music and image together is actually part of the reason I do what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of my favorite things. The right song with the right you know scene in a movie is just about the best thing ever in my mind. That's know? that word,
7: Pearson. I mean, because it's something totally. It's, it's the part of the art form that can't in any other art form. Well, especially when it's
5: not, not, uh, I think it was, what is it, John Williams used to call it Mickey Mousing, where it's just literally like the score is doing exactly, telling you exactly. I feel like songs are more complex in that way and they can Mickey Mouse a little bit and they can be totally on the nose, which drives me and my wife absolutely crazy. Um, But the right song that's just kind of in there and makes you kind of think and gets you in that character's head in this different way, it's just a beautiful thing, really.
6: Yeah, I, I got to tell you, like, I I was thinking about this because I was doing research for this podcast. I was thinking about in the 80s, like on MTV, where they used to, I mean, I don't know if you remember this. They barely do this anymore. But they used to show, so they would make, um, they would take songs from a soundtrack to a movie and then make, like, a video. Mm. And they would basically make, like, uh, you know, like a compilation reel of, like, all the greatest hits or whatever from the movie. There are so many times where I would literally just watch. Like, I remember watching the video for. Oh, what's that song from Streets of Fire? I Can Dream About You by Dan Hartman. Do you, do you remember that song from yeah, the 80s? Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah.
6: I never saw. I didn't see Streets of Fire for years. I, I mean, I only watched Streets of Fire, like, probably in the last, like, 10 years of my life. But I was a kid. I remember them showing the video for that song. And there was clips from the movie in there. And it was like. You know, essentially, like watching the movie via the the song, mm. and then when I went in to see the movie, I was like, "Oh, I remember this from the yeah. video, yeah. right?" And so I was kind of thinking, like, I mean, they never do that kind of stuff anymore. But that's like to me what I what I think the soundtrack is best. It does is it communicates the movie to people. It's
7: distilled into this yeah, one perfect, yeah. that piece, yeah. Yeah, No, no I it, that. And it's obviously the emotion. Like like you're saying with Mickey Mouse, sometimes you really get to the emotion. You take out the music, and some, some movies would probably fall so flat in terms... Of, and then you have the opposite. I mean, sound's always that important, but then it's fun when you think about people like uh, Hitchcock when he talks about, like, scoring, Psycho, right? That he didn't want music in there, and yeah. somebody else does. So you realize, you know, the emotion that you can get, whether it's music... It's, I think songs are a little different, because the lyrics... Can also be sometimes in contrast to what you're watching, you know. That's the difference with score music versus yeah. actual song lyrics.
5: What is what does Cusack say in High Fidelity? He's like you're painting with other people's poetry or mm-hmm. something like that. I, I always think about that. Yeah,
7: yeah. High Fidelity is. Uh, yeah. we that we are going to get to like the. Uh, so I basically, when we we're putting this together, uh, the one thing I suggested to help us get into it was the idea of just starting with five questions for things that are gonna probably be too obvious for that any of us would have been reticent to put on our lists., yeah. But there's certain people like one of them who's uh, you know, talked about much of late on our episode, uh, Quentin Tarantino, who who's, you know, obviously his mind for pop culture is like through the roof. Like I, I've said before, after we did the interview with him, that was the thing that most impresses me. It's not just the film knowledge. It's like the pop culture knowledge I couldn't even get in the ring with, yeah. the pop culture. TV, commercials, yeah. just crazy And stuff. I think with music, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, think, totally. I think his ability to mix uh, types of music, like radically different, whether it's surf music, uh, mixed with the golden oldies, mixed with like uh, you know something that's new and, and rap is pretty uh, amazing. So why don't we just start with those and then see what maybe it leads to? So we started. With the obvious question. I'll, I'll ask the questions of you guys and uh, favorite Quentin Tarantino soundtrack.
5: Let's let Millie go first.
6: Oh my gosh, so much pressure. <laughs>
5: it's um, tough.
6: I have to say just off the bat, I'm not I have no skin in this game. Yeah. I you know, I'm just saying that I I think obviously like Mr. Tarantino soundtracks are killer. Mm-hmm. To me, I grew up in you know in that era, like of the late '80s, early '90s, and his soundtracks. Like I remember the Reservoir Dog soundtrack. I mean, that blew my mind when I first heard it because I was like I've never even heard of any of this stuff and like that's the one thing you can always count on was is that he's going to have an amazing soundtrack so for me this was actually insanely difficult because I was like oh shit.
7: They man. are hard and and the ones I haven't heard like I haven't listened to Kill Bill and things like that that many times but the couple times I have like when I was working a job like they're so good and, and, and you start going okay it's just the one I think it's almost whichever one we end up picking I think it's just out of habit that's the one you end up listening to the most. Yeah. I don't think they're all almost equally great. Yeah.
6: Well and like to me it kind of came down to two and like I hate to even suggest this but like what like I really think that the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack is amazing I was
5: gonna say I- I've just been getting into listening to yeah. it regularly and I'm like this is really fucking good like one of his best soundtracks he's ever put together
6: yeah and I mean it's obviously like I mean his knowledge runs so deep but like like there there are jams on that where I'm like like that Buchanan brother song that uh, I'm a son, a son of a loving man is that the yep, name yep. of it but you gotta live- fuck is that like that is such an amazing song it happens in such a great part of the film but then also like who are the Buchanan brothers and like I was trying to do research about them because I was like where the fuck did he get this song from right and you know maybe this is a deep cut that everybody knows and I'm the last to know but to me when I was doing research about like what the song was I was like who are these guys they, they kind of seem like um were they uh, from what I understand like and uh, like I said there's not a lot about them on the internet but like they kind of seem like a voice at heart type of like studio musician, like, you know, studio musicians that like did their own songs and then created a band because I was like, where do you even get their album? Like, it's like, so like it's, I think it's maybe on Amazon, but it's used. And so it was like, to me I was like holy shit that's a deep cut like that's pretty tight yeah know? I mean
5: that's legit like I played a clip of him at the beginning of the episode he legit is going into his record collection pulling yeah. shit out so I'm sure that's just an album he picked up at some point yeah that's know?
6: impressive right? I mean I, like I said I mean at first I thought it was Paul Revere and the Raiders and then yeah. I was like wait a minute that isn't even them so I almost picked that one
5: I almost did too but I, I, I love the Bob Seger track too by the way it's oh, got yeah. that pounding beat Very much like the track used in Death Proof. Yeah. The uh, Beaky, Dave D, Doze, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beacon, Hold tight. Ne- Make- Hold tight, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got that same pounding beat that I love.
6: The moment like that song and then which is and then the Joe Cocker song, which is not on the soundtrack. I don't no, think. Oh, no, so.
5: not officially. No.
6: Yeah, but like I mean, that's a killer, killer live song. I mean, I was like, holy shit, both those two back to back. I was like, man, that's pretty amazing.
5: Also, I'm sorry. One quick side, I just listened to the, there's an episode of the podcast called Soundtracking. That's a British show, and she just did her episode with him talking about the movie. Oh, wow. And this is something I thought was really... He talked about a lot of things, including... You were talking about boys and Heart. They're, they do a song called Teardrop City, which is great, and I hadn't heard it. Yeah. And that was apparently going to be his pick for the opening song of the movie. So oh, I wow. recommend people go and lo- listen yeah. to Teardrop City. It's a little more on the nose, because it's very much like talking about, like, we blew it kind of scenario. Yeah. We were on top, and we aren't kind of... But he also said something about using the radio stuff and how if the song wasn't in the actual audio they had of the radio recorded at the time, he felt like he was lying. So he's using songs, it sounded like he said he was only using songs that had been played on in that radio wow. block that he had heard. Yeah. So that was even more like, I was like, wow, okay, so you had to find the songs you wanted to use and then I guess listen to, see, or maybe that's how he found some of these songs was they were in that both block, I don't know. Yeah,
6: I mean, either way, I mean, it's shit, nuts. it blew my mind. It's nuts, anyway,
5: I'm sorry, I keep no, cutting no, no, you off, no, no. What's, so, your, what's your pick?
6: So my pick is
5: Death Proof. Cause I, oh, oh good, nice. nice, that's a great pick.
6: Um, To me, I feel like the soundtrack evokes just kinda like hanging out. In, you know, in a bar. Totally. In Texas or something. <laughs> you know, like, to me, I love, I'll, and there's a, something I'll get to later in the in the show that I, I'm really obsessed with that kind of vibe of yeah. that, like, kind of Southern, honky tonk bar kind of vibe. And so I was like, man, this is the... This is the good one I mean there's so many Good songs on here I mean that Smith song uh, Baby It's You Their cover of that song I was like shit That
5: is the- I forgot about that completely Oh
6: man it's really killer But my My song that I picked mm. From the soundtrack Is the Eddie Floyd song It's called Good Love Bad Love I
1: found out a
3: loss. I saw for What's been she
6: I knew him from Knock on Wood,
5: right? Oh, that's him.
6: Yeah, and yeah. so I was kind of like, oh. And then I re- and then I was doing research and I was like, "Good Love Bad Love is like a fucking B-side. It's like a B-side." And I'm like, dude, I've never even heard this. So, I mean, it wasn't until that Death Proof soundtrack came out that I was like, "Holy shit, there's some good cuts on here." And like, I remember I was DJing at the time when the soundtrack came out and like everybody I knew was like into the soundtrack. And they, I always had to I brought it to the club cuz I was like playing it all the time. So, that's
5: my favorite. Pretty great. Yeah. And, and Hold Tight is definitely one of my favorite songs he's ever used. And the oh, way that yeah. he uses it in the movie oh, is Oh, it's so good. It's <laughs> so good.
7: This is the car. I think I've listened to that one the least. So I need to – that and Kill Bill 1. I think I have listened to those two the least. So I got to do it.
5: Yeah. No, they're, they're really good. That's a good choice. Um, I – like you – I almost went with uh, Once Upon a Time. But I went back to – Jackie Brown. I just oh, had to go back yeah. to Jackie Brown. It's I'm, just, I'm with you.
7: Jackie Brown's it, my pick, too.
5: Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's just so much good stuff in there, and I'm so emotionally connected to that movie, and so much of it is, uh, I mean, there's definitely parts of it that are tr- tied directly to those two characters that I love yeah, so much, you know? know. so
7: I've so, driven around to that soundtrack more than any soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Especially you not know, just living to. in LA. It's a
5: great soundtrack.
6: Yeah, it seems very Southern California. Like, yeah. It's and, really and it's
7: got choices like Pam Greer singing a song that was played in a Jack Hill song That's, uh, which one's uh, that long time woman. woman so good uh, but like I mean like I'm pretty sure we're all it's the Delphonic Delphonic the uses,
5: is uh, I, maybe my second but the stra- Strawberry Letter number 23 specifically uh, the version he uses in the soundtrack which by the way if you go look up Strawberry Letter 23 by the Brothers Johnson there's different versions and I really love the one he uses and I, I've i tried to some some days I'm just like I'm really in the mood for Strawberry Letter 23 Go to YouTube And I'm like Oh this is a little different There's something Either the intro is different And I love the intro The intro is so great
3: Hello my love I heard a kiss from you
5: But, yeah, I don't – so I have to listen to that version as, as my your favorite. thing. I mean,
7: I, yeah, and I even like the uh, Across 110th Street. I love the thing he's sampling from other – but for me, the Delphonics the, – watching the scene again is what I love. I love it's any beautiful. movie. And I've actually got quite a few. I didn't realize. Maybe I've got a thing for this. But Songs Used Diegetically is – Like, we're watching a scene where Robert Forster and Pam Greer are actually falling in love while she puts on a song on vinyl. And we're watching them fall in love, and we're kind of falling in love with the song. And I I didn't know that song when I first saw this film. I'm falling in love with them in that scene. No, exactly. And so, to me, and and part of it is because of the conversation, it is about vinyl. Would
0: you like to hear some music? Sure. (sighs) Cool. You know, I couldn't wait to get home last night and wash the gel out of my hair.
6: Looks nice.
1: Thanks.
3: You never got into the whole CD revolution?
1: Oh, I got a few, but I can't afford to start all over again. I mean, I've invested too much time and money in my albums.
3: Yeah, but you can't get new stuff on records.
1: I don't get new stuff that often. Mm-hmm. Who is this? The Dill Phonics.
7: It's
1: nice. Mm-hmm.
7: It is really one of it's the, the best scenes thing. I think quentin's ever directed.
6: And, and, like, I mean, doesn't it make her heart just explode when he, like, goes out and buys a tape because he's yeah. got to listen to it all really? the time? Because yeah. he has a crush uh, on this woman. I'm like, yeah, just study. So- Sweet, I but, love it. But but
7: that song, like even just hearing it on the soundtrack the first couple times was like, oh yeah, this is this is movies. And any song, I love it when one. I mean, it's a hard challenge that you've given when we're like listening one song. But in the same token, it's also a nice way to think back on the movie is just through one song, kind of like what you're talking about with if you edited the footage to that track. It'd be kind of a fun exercise with yeah, that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
7: Okay, next question. Uh, another person who has al- almost equaled, uh, probably a, like you know, a slightly different niche in the way he uses it, but his films are wall-to-wall musical, you Yeah, know, which and, is Wes Anderson,
5: and he's a big guy for me in terms of formative mm-hmm. music and movie together. Where I, st- I mean, obviously I'd seen you know movies that use I'd seen some Scorsese stuff and things like that, but um, it wasn't until ball Rocket and like. 2000 man in bottle rocket was a great use. Uh, and then some others where I was just like, Oh, I get it. I, this is so cool. These aren't, cause I think before I was, you get that thing in music supervision where, and I've talked about it on the show before music is used to establish period and they use the same fucking songs over and over again, you know, and they're good songs, but they drive them into the ground to the point where you're like, I don't feel anything for that song anymore. And I felt like he and Quentin and some of these other people are, Looking for the B sides, or looking for yeah. the songs you don't know, so that you can have your own attachment to it, and, and through this movie, I think it's great. Anyway, yeah. what's what are you thinking, Millie? I don't know how you feel about Wes Anderson. I, I just <laughs> I have a feeling your feelings are complicated. I don't know why. Yeah, they're. Uh,
7: well, that's good. I mean, I think even if somebody didn't like his films, the music's hard to hard to argue.
6: Well, I'm also gonna be that asshole that's like, well, I like his early stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is true. I mean, that's uh, I'm that asshole. Um, Wait,
5: you didn't like Isle of, Isle of Dogs? I seen okay, it. all right. We don't have to go there. It. We don't have to go there.
6: No, I mean, uh, you oh, I, know. Understand. I understand. So, and true to that statement, my favorite soundtrack is
5: Rushmore. Nice.
6: Because, first of all, like... When I saw that movie for the first time, I was in college, and I was like, you know, for for whatever reason, like at the time he was doing like a tour. Like I remember, Anderson was doing like a bus tour, and he I came to my college. That. He they, came they, to GSU.
5: They promoted on MTV, I think.
6: Yeah. Oh my god. And he and he came and he and. You know, I was working at the college radio station at the time, so I went. not you know, it was like a group interview. We got on the bus, and and I remember asking him about the soundtrack, and he he was saying that he thought that the character of Max Fisher was, like, you know, he's like a prep school kid, right? And, like, there's something about prep school and, like, British Invasion that are kind of married, and, and I don't know why that is. Maybe I just, because of the movie If. Yeah, 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 <laughs> the <Malcolm> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, I'm sure he's a
5: fan of that. Yeah.
6: There's something about that, and so I was like, and and, and British Invasion is kind of you know, it's like cool and like a little bratty, but loud and brash, and I and maybe that's kind of like where the connection is. Mm. But I love that. Like, I love that idea of this like, and and my pick for the soundtrack is that Creation song, Making Time, because it's like. It's a great song The best scene in the movie Where they're showing Like all the clubs That he's in And that song's playing And it's like So perfect It really To me That song And that sequence Tells you everything You need to know About Max
1: Fisher And that's
6: You know what I like about that movie is him and his character. So
5: yeah, I, I loved that that sequence. You know, just and that song, which again I hadn't heard it before, and I love that he did sort of a, that whole British invasion theme through it. I was like, oh, that's such a neat thing to do. And I, and you know, other movies have done stuff like that, but I hadn't seen anything like that that did that. And I was like, oh, that's really neat. Yeah. Um, I was gonna pick Rushmore, but in favor of just giving a little more exposure to something else, I'm gonna go Bottle Rocket. Because I really do love the soundtrack to Bottle Rocket. Um, I mentioned Two Thousand Man by the Rolling Stones.
6: That love song that's in there too, Alone Again or. Oh, another? oh, yeah. They, they Isn't that one in
5: love. That? Yeah, I'm sorry, love, yeah. love. The band love. Yes, yeah. yeah. They have two. I think there's Seven and Seven is and oh, right. Alone Again or. Both are great. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with a weird one and say I really like the Proclaimers song that he uses, <laughs> Over and Done with. I think, is, way better than any Proclaimers song that you've that you've been exposed to. I've only got one in my head. <laughs> Most people do. Most people do.
1: <laughs> this is a
3: story of our first teacher Shepherd the made of jumpers and the devil made the features she blew up her hands when my mum said her name oh, And right. voided all the stories with sliding the swings But it's already done well
5: and But I, I've really become addicted to that song. But there's so much good stuff on the Bottle Rocket soundtrack. I think it's a really well put together soundtrack. Not quite on the level of Rushmore. I feel like both the movie and the soundtrack evolve with him as a filmmaker and he gets better. Yeah. But um, It's
7: the way movies change the context of a song forever in your brain. It's, totally. There's nothing better. I mean, I, and we were joking just now in the bathroom. Uh, but, <laughs> but I said, I just ask Kenny Rogers. And you're like, to think... Of Kenny Rogers' song and The Big Lebowski, how it's just elevated to this other stratosphere now. And I will always love that song because of how it was used in a movie. Totally. Uh, So I think Royal Tenenbaums is the best. Mm -hmm. And it's also by far my favorite of his films. But the soundtrack that I found myself – and I try most of my list is like the ones I listen to most. And I'm not even – I don't love the movie. But I think the Darjeeling Limited soundtrack is so interesting because it's this weird mixture of – like uh, scores and pieces of Savjat Ray movies, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously sets the tone, but then all this French culture, because, you know, that little part of the story starts in French, so you have that, what's that great song He's track? got some uh, of that in
5: Rushmore, uh, too.
7: Uh, what is it? Le uh, that famous song, which kind of sets the tone, there's a lot, there's a lot of that, but the uh, it's definitely, for me, This Time Tomorrow by The Kinks. Great song. Because it's Bill Murray and Adrian Brody at the start. They're running in slow motion. Oh, I love that shot. And, and, and kind of before the show, you were talking about uh, like uh, the, the clash between different ages in uh, Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. That's happening in this one scene, and it's really there's something really sad that Bill Murray can't make the train. Adrian Brody gets on and looks back at this guy who, and just gives him this look. And the way the song's playing, it just really sets the tone perfectly for this movie. I've only probably seen this film one time, but the it music gets, elevated the film. It gets better. Film, you it know? Gets yeah. better. Um, I, I've seen
5: it, I think, four times now, and oh, it's wow. actually gotten better. Because my initial response was like, oh, uh, it's his worst movie. And now I've seen it enough oh, it's that, definitely not his worst. No, 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 it's yeah. definitely not. And I've seen it enough that it's getting better. There are parts of it that I'm still kind of bother me, but overall it's gotten better, and I feel like I didn't feel like he pulled off the tonal balance that he was going for in that one. More drama than comedy, I think more than some of his mm-hmm. other movies. And I feel like more the more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, he's kinda getting he's kinda getting it. He's kind I gotta
6: rewatch it. it for sure. It's interesting. Yeah. Where do I you think
7: go to my lovely is the other song by who uh, what is that, Peter Sarstedt? That's a really good track. Yeah. You talk
6: like Male
3: Dietrich And you dance like Zizi Jean. Your clothes are all made by Balmain, and there's diamonds and pearls in your hair, yes there are. You live in a fancy apartment off the boulevard Saint-Michel.
7: Yes, but, but I feel like the music really elevates this one, whereas I don't think, and tell them, bombs, it's perfectly in a line with what you're seeing, like, and it works great, and it's a perfect time period. This one, I actually think it it raises the movie up the soundtrack like it's it's definitely better than in a sense and gives it that bolster to me anyway sure, yeah that one that one i've listened to
5: that's a cool choice
7: all right uh okay this is to me the most important question oh my god (laughs) i'm stressed i'm stressed this could go a million ways uh favorite soundtrack that seemed too obvious to put on your list because you're you want to be a hip cool uh make your deep cut list which is what pearson was all about <laughs> uh and, and this is coming and and to give some a shout out there's a podcast called screen drafts that was actually part of my inspiration for us to do this at some point was they did a soundtracks ranking and there's a mixed lot of movies they called mixtape movies yeah. and there you know there's things like uh, well it wasn't the graduate but uh wh- what's a good example is um what's the, i heard it for the grapevine um big chill right like you can't argue with that being just like a kind of a perfect soundtrack, but the chance that any of the three of us are putting on, I think is probably low uh, just because we're all assuming, oh yeah, that's a great. So I, I just was curious if there was a pick, you know, where you didn't really want to put on your list, but you know, it's a great fucking soundtrack and you listen to it a bunch. So <laughs> yeah, I
5: want to see, I want to hear what both of you guys have to say about this.
6: Oh my God. So
5: <laughs> gonna <be> embarrassed. <laughs> I, this, this
6: has changed like 700 times uh-huh, uh-huh. in the last week. Cause I kept going, it's this one. No, it's this one. I, I I'm just gonna say it. It's the dirty, da- dirty Dancing soundtrack. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Which and they
7: love too on that show.
6: <laughs> well, here's why. Because first of all, I don't need to explain to you. This could be its own podcast about like my <laughs> Dirty Dancing obsession. Like, listen, I'm a you I'm need a to cold, anything about that. I'm a I'm a hot blooded straight woman. I was totally into that movie yeah. when it came out. I was <laughs> under the Swayze haze. Yeah. <laughs> So, and it, and it was just like the thing that literally every, like, I mean, everyone in my school loved that movie. We used to sing songs from the movie on the bus on the way home from school. I oh, truly remember that. Wow. And to me, it's like, okay like I like like oldies but this is kind of like you know the good time the good time feel good like first of all it has it starts out like the Ronettes like every great movie in the world starts out with be my baby <laughs> they're the pretty
5: Ronettes. fucking great
6: and I will say though the 87 version of the soundtrack had you know like a couple like it had the big hits but then it was missing a lot so when they did the reissue in 2007 for the anniversary they put all the good shit on there so I was like okay I'm speaking of the 2007 re-release because to they added all of the like you know the Otis Redding song and like everything and so for me the Solomon Burke song Cry to Me is first of all I just love that song I love Solomon Burke
8: When your baby leaves you all alone And nobody calls you on the phone don't you feel like a
6: but in the movie, when it's happening, it's like the seduction scene where she's like coming to his uh, cabin. And she's basically like, you know, I uh, want to be with you forever. And he's kind of like, what? And then, you know, <laughs> they go to Uh So, yeah, it's it's a great scene in the movie. But also... To me, like, the soundtrack is so evocative of the time. Because honestly, like, it's that thing, too, of, like, 80s movies, which I'm kind of obsessed with is that, like, the 80s, 60s worship. So, like, when you watch 80s movies that are, like, period pieces of the 60s, there's kind of, like, sometimes these, like, moments where the 80s slips in there yeah. a little bit. And you can kind of tell, like, in certain scenes where, like, Patrick Swayze's like, you know. Not maybe not doing a full period look. You know, he's still got his like 80s mullet or whatever. Um
5: Does Shag have that same problem? I feel yeah, like maybe it does.
6: Yeah, there's moments. I have a list of them okay, actually. Right. But you know, there are so there's so many of those eighties and the sixties movies that I love. But um, the music is what kind of really puts it in its place. Like, I mean, there's, of course, like, songs like the the Bill Midley, Jennifer Warren song that sound modern, and you're like, is he really playing that on 45 at the end of the movie? Like, that <laughs> fucking is such an 80s song, dude. But, you know, to me, it's like, yeah, the Mickey and Sylvia song and the Love Man by Otis Redding and the Solomon Burke song, that's like what really makes the movie, like, mm. in its place and its time, so.
5: That's cool. And that is an interesting phenomenon, the idea of... Soundtracks that are initially released, and and sometimes we'll never have the full, you know, they'll never license everything that was in the movie, and that's kind of a weird... I have a couple cases of that in my list when we get into it, where there's songs that aren't on the release soundtrack, but I'm still going to count them as part of the movie
7: soundtrack. Yeah, we we don't even, some of these might not even have a soundtrack Yeah, that's
5: true. That's the the whole other thing. But the idea of reissuing a soundtrack and putting those deeper cuts on there I think is fascinating because I really feel like the whole soundtrack should be represented and not just this sampling that they could afford at the time or whatever the reasoning was. I don't really get it. Yeah,
6: because it's like uh, when they first released the soundtrack in 87, it's like, the contour song, the "Do You Love Me" song, which is like the most—I mean, it's like the song that she pops. She finally like gets into their world, and they she sees the dirty dancing for the first time. That's the <laughs> song they're dancing to, and I was like, "That shit is not on the soundtrack." See, that's like, what I that's mean. That's a miss, you know? Yeah,
5: yeah. You got to get those big moments in the yeah. movie, but again, these are not. You know, it's some corporate decision. It's right. not somebody exactly. who's creatively thinking about anyway. Well
6: they, they remedied it. it and I'm happy for no, it. No, so get
7: movies where the soundtrack is the reason the movie has never come out. Uh Killer of Sheep would actually yeah. be a good soundtrack. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. they use great tracks. It just got them <laughs> in a the world of hurts.
5: So. Yeah, American Hot Wax was one I yeah. thought about. That's never gonna happen probably. But um
6: That's why we can't play any Kachar Brothers movies
5: on oh, the yeah. oh, soundtracks, <laughs> yeah. man. Um all right, so this one um This one I almost just straight up picked, but it is pretty high profile in terms of the movie, and that's Pump Up the Volume. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my first soundtracks that I owned, along with another almost pick for me, which was Last Action Hero, which was the first (laughs) CD that I ever bought in the big cardboard case. But I think for me, the Leonard Cohen song, and then more importantly, The slow version of Wave of Mutilation by the Pixies is truly one of my favorite songs ever, ever.
7: Is there anyone better on soundtracks than Pixies? Pixies are pretty great. It's kind great. of showing in the last 10 years, post Fight Club, yeah. that you can put that anywhere and you've made something better. I yeah. was
5: literally, we went camping this weekend and I put the Pixies on a, a Spotify shuffle and I was just like, oh man, I forgot how good Surfer Rosa is. I forgot how good some of the early st- albums were. And I was like, yep, these are also cinematic, but... Yeah. Yeah, um, Doolittle
6: was like...
5: Oh, I love Doolittle. That, great album.
6: I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but that was literally the first alternative album I ever heard. So it was like, there was Vanilla Ice and then the Pixies. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was for me. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I mean, that album is always going to be like...
5: It's a great album. Overall, just a great album. Doolittle's yeah. one of my all-time albums. Um, but one of the great things for me was when I finally get, get to see the Pixies, I saw them at the Greek... And they opened with the fast version of Wave of Mutilation. I was like, oh, that's cool. But... And then they closed with the slow version. Ah, I was like, okay. you guys are the fucking best. And uh, my concert experience is complete. So anyway, I absolutely love Wave of Mutilation. It's just an amazing track, especially the UK surf version, the slow version.
7: Yeah. Uh, my obvious one is less obvious now that I look at it. At the time, I thought, eh, everyone, everyone knows this one. I think it's more that the tracks on it are all really big, major tracks. But I was going to go Judgment Night. Because we were joking about how <laughs> like it is one of the best, but it's it's almost like the soundtrack has just been designed, and no one thought about the movie. <laughs> the movie is good. I know you say it, I, I, it I have to good. rewatch <laughs> it, but as a kid, I remember getting that because I was a huge Sonic Youth. Trust fan. Trust me, it holds up. And then Sonic Youth doing a song with Cypress Hill and like you know <laughs> Ice T and Slayer or something, yeah. and uh, it's just a great. I mean, it's an amazing album. It's a teenage fan
5: mixed... club and De La soul. Yeah, no, there's some great track. stuff on
7: there. But I have to rewatch that film. Uh, so I actually went for uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and mm. and. I know some people might oh that seems like a deep cut of film because it's not as popular but the tracks are all just big 60s and 70s music all that's stuff right. about Vegas it's everything from you know uh, she's a lady you know onwards but
6: what was the one song that mama told me not to come okay. isn't that the one that is yeah. my pick oh, yes I'm Mama. Sorry, told, no that's good
7: started. that shows that you're on oh, the, the right dog mama night. told me not to come to is used so well in this But also comes right after because I mean the one reason uh, Benicio in this movie is the reason to watch this Holy movie. Shit. Uh, I mean, Gilliam's a visual style is great. I love the book, but Benicio is like on a different levelness. And when he's just, this is right before the part where he goes, "She fell in love with me, man." Eye contact, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it leads into the song. So the soundtrack is one of the great soundtracks that has a lot of the audio parts. Uh, that one, but I also really like uh, the use of debbie reynolds singing oh. tammy when he does the drug trip that's is great. the closest i feel like i got to taking drugs mm. through the movie mm-hmm. which is pushing it but I, I think this it's a great soundtrack
5: i also thing. like percy faith i uh-huh. think the yeah, percy, yeah. percy faith song is all great right. i mean
7: it's a great it's one of those where i th- felt like a lot of people the reason Ed- i put it on the office Chick- i felt like a lot of people oh, bought it for the soundtrack more than and never even saw the movie god
5: i haven't thought about that soundtrack in a while but i used to love it,
7: it it's it's loaded to the
5: brim man. Yeah. It's
1: awesome.
7: Um all right so that's our first three questions uh moving on to some heavy hitters You ready? Uh, This is a weird one. This is a tough one, too. Yeah, this is a weird one. I think this one got triggered because I kept thinking about – well, my favorite musician of all time is Leonard Cohen. So I kept thinking about him and uh, Warren Beatty and and the gang. Uh, Favorite soundtrack by a solo artist. This is one person who does the whole thing.
6: All right. I thought – this is going to be very obvious, so forgive me. But my choice is Purple Rain. Oh, nice! My that's a, that's just actually the right
1: choice. We should I mean, probably hang up our hats. Yeah, no. I
5: mean, the, it's truly one of the great openings to any movie ever. Is him getting on stage, starting that song, and once that song goes. My energy level shoots like I've oh done, done fucking cocaine mm. or something. It shoots. It's so overpowering.
6: I, I got to tell you. So like I, you know, I had seen this movie a hundred times on when I was a kid, like on TV. And then I saw it in a theater maybe 10 years ago in Atlanta. And, and this is my pick for the track. But when Baby I'm a Star comes on at the end. Everyone in the theater was going ape shit, fucking bonkers. was dancing and screaming and it was like being in a concert right and I was sitting here going like that is like the power of the this movie and the music that's in this movie and like just Prince in general I mean such a fucking awesome badass musician so it's kind of like it's the one movie that I was kind of like it seems obvious to put on this list but I have to because it's like the one like it, it's the album it kind of transcends the movie and then but the movie is really for me enjoyable to watch and i mean there was a it was a toss-up between take me with you because i love that sequence in the movie too when they're kind of riding around on the motorcycle with apollonia and uh like a falling in love montage but um yeah baby i'm a star man that part of the movie is so great it's like it's so fun to watch
5: that's good stuff yeah um. Yeah, I was torn on this one. Uh, I went. I mean, yeah, I could go the route you're talking about, and I won't spoil it in case that is your. It, pick. it isn't. Okay. I, I, I thought, so yeah, Leonard Cohen as doing the soundtrack to um, McCabe McCabe. Miller. Yeah, is a- great, and,
7: and especially in the movie, it's pretty haunting. The it's, way they it's use so it perfectly doing, suited yeah. to
5: the period and everything, yeah. it just works. But I went a little more modern because I hadn't thought about them in a long time. I went with uh, Morphine's score to or song soundtrack to Spanking the Monkey which
7: I I knew they were in flirting with disaster. I didn't realize they scored
5: spanking. Well, I mean, they did. I don't know. if I I think basically they took their first album and dumped a a whole bunch of songs. So it's not like they really recorded anything new for it. But I remember that first album when I was, you know, Mr. You know, alternative music hipster guy, (laughs) which I still am to a degree. But, um, I remember hearing that first album and being so into the sax and what they were doing. I mean, now I don't know how I feel about it, but I still like his voice is still, his, he's got a great voice. Mark so, Sam and I love that. yeah, I mean, died tragically on stage, which yeah, is really sad. Yeah. I didn't know that until I looked into this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, there's some really great songs in there, and I think that really helps that offbeat movie stay offbeat and be more engaging. I don't know because it's a weird movie about inc- sort of ancestral yeah, I mean, relations it's, it's and shouldn't work that movie. Yeah, and I think <laughs> the sco- the songs definitely help. Yeah. Uh, I well, think, I
7: flirting with Disaster is a good score too And that's that's, that's next film There's yeah. lots of great uh, soundtracks
5: Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think what my pick would be I think probably Thursday
7: We used
3: to meet every Thursday Thursday, Thursday in the afternoon For a couple of beers Then a game of pool Till I move, till I move, till I cross the street
5: Oh, is that
6: the one that's on Cure for Pain? That's like
5: yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah. almost all on Cure for Pain. Oh, okay. I think almost the whole soundtrack, if I looked, was yeah. Cure for Pain. Oh wow! Um, but Thursday was one of the big singles. Yeah. Of that album, and I think that's the one that. But there's a bu- there's a really bunch. There's like five or six tracks, and there mm-hmm. I listened to them all, and I was like, Oh boy, is this is kind of to tough. I don't know. Um, but that might be the one that yeah. stood what stood out to me. It, 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 it's it's pretty fun. If you haven't heard it in a long time, it might be an interesting revisit. You know. But I'm glad
7: you went weird sex because. <laughs> I went really weird sex. Good. Uh, <laughs> so mine, good... I went deep cut on this one. It's Ooh. just a, like a little movie that I couldn't find for – 15, you know, years and years until finally I found some dodgy copy. Uh, and I'm a big Serge Gainsbourg fan. Oh, and nice. so I found that crazy weird, and it is a weird movie, uh, Je t'aime mon nom plus. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's oh, yeah. I Love You, I Don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it basically stars his uh, his wife, I don't know if they're married yet, Jane Birkin, and one of my favorite actors in American cinema, Joe D'Alessandro, uh, from all of uh, Marcy's uh, Warhol films and He's in the Limey. It's just one of those presences. He's little Joe from the Lou Reed song. Uh, and it it's, uh, so Serge Gainsbourg directs this movie, and that's why I was looking for it for years. This is like about—I haven't seen it in about 12 years, so this was like definitely even in my brain going, oh, yeah, what was—because the soundtrack was what I remembered. But it's it's cheating a little bit because a lot of it is just instrumentals of a lot of his songs, but because you know his voice, you can almost hear it. But the main title track, which is the name of this song, is one of the sexiest songs ever recorded in the history of anything. It literally sounds like two people fucking—
1: <laughs> Which it is uh, essentially yeah. him, and it's
7: either him and Bardot or him and Burke, and either way, yeah. it's sexy as hell. Uh, but the movie, I kind of just wanted to put. it I mean, it is a little weird. You always want to be careful recommending a film that has lots of sodomy. Uh, but you know, it's just one of those caveats I give myself. Uh, but it is a weird story because Joe delessandro and his uh, and his friend are like trash uh, guys who pick up trash. They pull into a little diner in the middle of nowhere. They're both gay. And, there, and he sees this person from behind with really short pixie hair. And he's like, oh, how how you doing? And she turns around and he's disappointed it's a very boyish girl, which is Jane Birkin. And they've made her look very boyish in this. And basically it then charts them trying to have an affair slash relationship. And it's super awkward because he – isn't into it until she's kind of face down. And then he's like, Oh, I'll treat her like a boy. And it's a weird, re- and yet the music is sexy and it's Serge Gainsbourg. And you're like, why did you, it's one of those movies where I'm constantly watching, and going, why did you need to direct this? Like you are a very famous French singer. And this is the story you had to make. And I find it, I find those kind of movies are probably my favorite subgenre. It's like, why does this exist? <laughs> and I don't know if I love the movie, but I remember it being really fascinating. And I love movies set in like the middle of nowhere, set yeah. in the middle of a, a truck stop, uh it's a really interesting little movie and it ends you know it ends like you imagine it would between two people uh that mis suited for each other uh, mm-hmm. it's probably deeply unpolitically correct in our current <laughs> climate i'm sure it wouldn't do well on twitter this movie oh, sure, but yeah. uh i also i just think they're also they're also a peak like Jared dallas is a beautiful looking man uh jane birkin's a, an amazing looking person mm-hmm. just in general the way and uh Serge Serge is the most interesting looking of all he's not in the movie uh, jared depperdue actually he's got a small role in it too. oh but, wow uh it's one of those movies i don't know how available it is now i just know back when i looked for it it was like one of those rumor stories and like oh i gotta find that thing mm-hmm. um probably bought off the guy from projection booth <laughs> mike white probably no. uh buffalo 66 was closed though oh, it's a yeah. great soundtrack because it's just
5: yeah old so really great soundtrack
7: okay uh last one uh soundtrack you and this is an interesting one because obviously it doesn't mean you have to hate the movie but I think there's a lot of movies where we love the soundtrack and we don't necessarily love the movie. So soundtrack to a movie you love, I, well, soundtrack you love to a movie you might not.
6: It's my turn. <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> Let's hear <laughs> Delaying it. Delaying the inevitable. Um, okay. I'm just going to say the name of the movie <laughs> and I'm just going to leave three little dots so mm-hmm. that everyone can just kind of separate. Anyway, The Devil's Rejects. <laughs> okay. Um. Judy
7: the movie, "Fruity," I, like, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say That's I
6: what love I'm saying. it. Hello,
5: I'm yeah. I, I'm I'm making.
7: It's the only <laughs> one of his movies that I can like actually watch. Am
5: I'm I, with you too, but I I, like I got to say I haven't watched it in ten years or whenever it came out. Uh, yeah,
6: yeah. So
7: I don't even know if I know who's on the soundtrack besides the obvious. I'll yeah. tell
6: you right now: yeah. the soundtrack, as the kids say, it slaps. Mm. It's fucking incredible. And maybe it's because I'm southern. Mm. And maybe it's cuz I grew up in Georgia and I just love hearing shit like the Allman Brothers band on a soundtrack, but like he nailed that soundtrack. Yeah. Like and I get it. He you know the movie is it's evoking sort of this like rural kind of nightmare or whatever, but like you know there's actual country music on it. There's like Kitty Wells and Buck Owens and but then there's also kind of just like this southern rock classic rock it, to me it's kind of like music you would hear in like a honky tonk bar in the south like it's just sort of like you're gonna hear midnight rider you might hear some three dog night you're definitely gonna hear leonard skinner and to me i mean he puts terry reed on there a few times terry reed's brave awakening kills me i hate to Like that song is the quintessential. When this movie came out, I remember me and my roommates at the time, we went and saw the movie and we were like, all right, (laughs)
1: all
6: right, that happened. And then we listened to the soundtrack and we're like, this soundtrack rules. We listened to it all summer long in the house. It was like that Terry Reid song is like, you know, this a chill summer, awesome track. And then. There's two actually. I had to pick two because there's Brave Awakening and then there's the Elvin Bishop song, Fooled Around and Fell in Love, which is the greatest song.
5: Yeah, I can't you're remember bad. where any of the songs I are used. See, well, I, Free Bird, you can. not
7: Yeah, that one, <laughs> except
6: for that. I, oh, I couldn't remember what part it's in, because yeah. I don't say it. <laughs> okay,
7: yeah, no, and some of these I can't either. But, but the Free Bird is important, because uh, whether you like the movie or not, he does something amazing. By using one song, he changes your allegiance to like who you're watching and who the heroes, and quote marks, mm-hmm. of this narrative are, which is just to me the power of music like that power of something at one track and a line about ice cream and you switched how we view these it's like the opening 20 minutes they are the worst humans on earth they're yes. disgusting yes. It's, and tough. It's, it's, it's tough it's pretty, to watch that, pretty, pretty smart it. yeah Yeah. anyway
6: well, love that stuff. soundtrack yeah. so
7: much I am glad I asked this question now because I wouldn't have gotten that otherwise
5: <laughs> no that's great I, I gotta go and dig into that soundtrack because mm-hmm. I don't remember it so I am um, gonna go with the rules of attraction from 2002 oh yeah that's mm-hmm. a good soundtrack really good soundtrack Roger Avery movie I tried to watch it again. Ooh. Fuck. That movie is hard. <laughs> they are just I mean, the such, material's hard, too. It's I mean, you know, yeah. The, yeah. I really, it's I do like the device of uh, running things backwards and then letting them play. Although, ab- about the third time he does it, and then we're dealing with, like, really despicable people, I'm like, oh, man. I gotta watch them in reverse motion kind of you know setting up what I think they're gonna do and when then somebody
7: throws up on a girl I find on that, her back it's as like as even though I know that behavior date exists raped, in the world that I just scene, don't think I can watch that that it's,
5: scene was just the, the one where I was like oh yeah, man and then you know our boy is in it and he's just terrifying wait who, which one are you talking about who was Dawson your oh, Dawson.
7: oh,
4: Dawson. oh it? Good. Dawson I was worried we, we had a no, conversation. You know I was worried you weren't
7: talking about Dawson I was no. like wait but Dawson's our boy yeah no no
5: we had a conversation about Dawson that came up in Scorsese 3 he so should have died in the yeah, <laughs> he's like got, a whole, would, would he's got a whole theory <laughs> about Dawson's Creek. But anyway, he's he's so fucking evil in that movie, yeah. and it's just terrifying to me. You know yeah. how yeah. bad he is, and so what? Um, who was the
6: woman in that movie that was the shit? Shannon, Sossaman. Shannon, Shannon, she an and she's awesome and that's the only thing
5: is I love her, and I wish she, she went was in to be more movies. One, yeah. yeah, I wish she was in more movies, but she's not, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh man this movie yeah that's but a hard one man. the soundtrack has uh, Sunday Girl by Blondie Six Different Ways by The Cure a really cool version of Carol of the Bells by Tom and Andy uh, Without You by Harry Nilsson but my favorite track on there by far is a Donovan track Colors Yellow is the color of my true Love's
3: here in the morning When we rise in the morning when we rise,
5: that's the time. That's the time. I love the best. Just one of my favorite Donovan songs ever, and it's well used in the movie, although I gotta admit I didn't get to it in this rewatch because <laughs> I couldn't make it. But um the soundtrack is great and I just I think if you can just go put on the Rules of Attraction soundtrack and you will be in uh, music heaven, it's it's quite the bliss. That one.
7: Did I say weird sex? All right, more weird oh, sex. No! <laughs> uh, this is a movie I was really excited about it, and I remember just being so bored by it. Uh, and it comes down to trying to do real sex. Michael Winterbottom made a film called Nine Songs, which was clearly aimed for the soundtrack market. Uh, it <laughs> would, but it was really relevant because it was the first time I had heard. Uh, I had never heard Dandy Warhols by that time. Franz Ferdinand it was way early for Franz Ferdinand. I don't wow. think they were a thing, but. Primal Scream, uh, Goldfrap have a beautiful song called Horse Tears on it, Mm -hmm. uh, but moving up by Primal Scream. Uh, The Von uh, Von Bondies and Elbow. Uh, (laughs) No, it was one. And so what's cool about the idea of the movie, it was um, he had just done 24-hour party people, which is obviously a great soundtrack too. And he's an interesting filmmaker, but this one was about a guy and a girl who meet. And they basically have these very real sexual encounters to the point where they actually there was real sex. So this is one of the few movies that was controversial because they staged real sex acts. Uh, and it's intercut; they're like a, their affair over these is intercut with them going to nine different concerts and nine different tracks. And so it's really like literally made for this kind of market. But there is this is the first time I'd ever heard this band at the time when this this came out in two thousand four. So a lot of these bands is my first time, but. Uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club oh, yeah. oh, Love Burns. This yeah. thing lit me on fire. That that was sexier than all the sex they're having. <laughs> know what i mean like and 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 the performers are great i don't want to take away from the work they're doing it's just you know it's a it's a it's a line that doesn't really work it tends to be boring and kind of gross you know versus what you can stage um but it's a, it's an you know it just unfortunately it's kind of a dull movie but the parts where they go to concerts all the bands are in it for real like they're all actually at their concerts uh but the soundtrack is killer i've listened to this thing like hundreds of times and i mean i remember thinking listening to Franz Ferdinand having never heard of them going oh, I, you know, I can't believe these guys aren't huge and then one day they're huge and I'm like I really don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> whereas all the other bands and, and it's the great Dandy Warhol's uh, You Were the Last High which if you edit that to the right material it's the most beautiful song ever recorded like it's it's such a heartbreaking track uh, you could imagine the ending of Mandy if you put You Were the Last High as he looks over at his wife it's one of those songs that depending where great. you place it it's a great track but yeah Black Rebel Motorcycle Club uh, Love Burns is a great track and I, just,
6: I have to tell you about Black Rabbit Motorcycle Club. It's like they marry, so like the name comes from the Wild one, wild One, right? The Marlon Brando uh, movie. So, yeah. And then they sound like Jesus and Mary Chain. I'm like, okay. Yeah. They're like such a great They've band. It, yeah. Totally. And like, I have, like, that song is so killer. I'm yeah. so glad you picked it.
7: And you could put it in, in much better movies. And, right, right. You know, right. but again, it's like what and I, and I, most of my list that we're going through um, are usually the movie that introduced me to saying that became a big music thing for me, but I wouldn't have known about it if I'd just been following music. It took the movies. To uh, initiate me, and I, 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 I am endlessly thankful to movies that do that because it opens up a whole different world. Especially in my twenties, I, I, I've slowed down. It's like reading, and I've slowed down on like new music, like checking out music. Yeah. Whereas in my 20s, I would go to library and just rent everything and burn it onto my computer. You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Okay, so well, that's our, uh, those are the questions that I wanted to cut through before we got into our, our personal picks. Because, I mean, I know some of them will – it's not going to be going as deep as we do in some of our movies, I guess. But
5: okay. do you want to lead us back? Yeah, so, so we're doing our usual thing here. We're doing a sort of a five-because list. And like I said, we're gonna do what we did on that first round of general questions. We're just gonna pick we've picked five movies that we like, uh or soundtracks that we like. I don't know how we feel about the movies. Maybe there's some movies in here we don't love as much. I, I think I picked mostly movies that I like. Yeah, I think I think these are all movies that I like actually. Um but we're also gonna talk through the soundtracks, you know, maybe talk about some tracks that we aren't that aren't our pick, and then we're gonna do a pick, just like we did. So What, uh, let's let Millie kick it off. I want to hear what she's got going on. All
6: right. Okay. This is going to be, this is interesting. Um, so I'll just say for the record, my list is kind of all over the place. It's all movies that I like, but, um... Anyway, my first pick is Xanadu from
5: 1980. Oh fuck
6: yes! Only because I love ELO and I love Olivia Newton-John, and that's all I gotta say. <laughs> that's all you need to say.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, whole, I love both too. But the I, whole ELO. soundtrack
6: is so perfect because it's like this ethereal. Like the whole movie is insane, but it's like you know you've got these like muses roller skating in you know, and they're all wearing these like flowing fabrics and then fucking ELO's playing. It's oh, like so incredible, right? It's awesome. And um, for me, I love <laughs> I love the I'm Alive ELO song when the news is coming. <laughs> I'm alive I can barely talk about it without laughing because it cracks me up. It's Um, beautiful. It's beautiful but it's just like so funny. Um, Has this
7: played on Turner Classics?
6: It has actually.
7: I could believe that.
6: But uh, I have to to just make this quick, I have to tell you a quick story. So um, when I was a DJ, I DJed at a gay bar in Atlanta and um, it was a really fun bar. It was called Mary's. It's still around. Um, I'm talking about in the past tense, like it closed, but it's it's still there. It's truly a gem um, because it was kind of like, it's a gay bar, but like everyone hung out there. It was for everyone. And like, it was kind of like hanging out in a John Waters movie, honestly. <laughs> and I, I spent a lot of time, I DJed there for years and uh, it's the best place I ever DJed, bar none, hands down. And every time... <laughs> I would always get requests to play stuff off the Xanadu soundtrack and especially I'm Alive because like there was always this group of guys that would come, they were all friends, that like would try to reenact the moment of the muses coming out of the wall. Oh so I'd God. play I'm Alive and then all of a sudden like they would be standing against the wall and then they would all start like one by one, kind of like popping off the wall and doing a little dance and it just cracked me the fuck up. Like God, I so nice. I used to just play it all the time and When I DJed at Mary's But my favorite track On the Xanadu soundtrack Is Magic by Olivia Newton-John You have to believe Such an incredible song! It is my karaoke go-to if I ever do karaoke, which is I do it once in a while. I have to be like pretty much wasted to do karaoke, but like <laughs> every time I do karaoke, I I always look for Magic by Olivia and John. And it's just like a fun song to sing. And
5: anyway, love that soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, I've said it before on the show and I'm determined to make this one of my favorite, my daughter's favorite movies by the time she's like 16 <laughs> and I'm, I'm not doing a great job so far. She's seen it and finished it. Um, but it's, she's not grabbing onto it. Like I think it's not just my own selfish, whatever. Cause I love the movie. I love yellow. I think Jeff Lynn is one of the great musicians, like, you know, like up there with the Beatles. And I mean, mm-hmm. he's amazing. His production is amazing. He's incredible. Um, I mean, I love uh, Electric Dreams. Like, you know, his yeah. his stuff on that is great. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's the kind of movie my daughter would love, and this music helps it. It gives it this. It really does elevate it into this fantasy realm that makes it like no other movie. Yeah. The music does that. I yeah. mean, the story is crazy too. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. But there's not that much story really. It's all yeah. about the music and yeah. and Michael Beck and Olivia. It's that's crazy. But yeah,
6: I was like, because I watched it again, and I was like from what I gather, and I don't remember this when I watched it the first time, so his character essentially is like a disgruntled Tower Records employee or something <laughs> that used to make like Tower Records art.
5: Yeah, he for- makes album covers yeah. or
6: something. <laughs> and he's like...
7: He's friends with Steve Guttenberg at YMCA, can't <laughs> stop the music friend who's <laughs> who's roller skating and quitting his job.
6: Yeah, and so I was kind of like, wow, that's like such a funny job to hinge an entire movie on. And um, yeah, and then, you know, it's so fascinating too because when I... I moved to LA. I live near the Pan Pacific Auditorium. Is oh, wow. Yeah. Where they shot it. Uh, it's like no longer there. It's like a park or something. It's actually probably pretty close to here. Yeah, it is. Um, but you know, I was like, fuck, I live really close to that place. That's incredible. And just the story of that place being, you know, dilapidated and, you know, and then putting Gene Kelly in there. That's crazy. Yeah,
5: no, that, that's one of Gene... Is it his last movie? I think so, That's yeah. crazy, too.
6: Even though he lived for longer, yeah. but it was kind of like his last, you know...
5: Yeah, no, I, there's, it's, there's something magic about it. I know a lot of people shit on it, but I just think if you let yourself <laughs> be taken over by that movie, it's it's kind of a beautiful Let thing. yourself go. That's yes, that's exactly. Um, I'm going to start with kind of an epic, in a way. Um, I'm going to start with Ralph Bakshi's American Pop from 1981. Um, this movie is like... Back, she's like Leone epic, you know, like his Once Upon a Time in America, but it actually precedes Once Upon a Time in America by about three years. So maybe Leone's ripping him off. I don't know, but it's it sort of starts in the the opening like um, card says uh, Russia under the rule of the Czars, and you're like, oh shit, what is going on here? And it starts like literally. In this, in Russia, and it's about these immigrants moving to the United States, and so it goes. It starts at the turn of the century. It goes all the way up to the nineteen eight, basically late 70s. So you have this whole variety of music from uh, jazz, folk, rock. It just it has you know it has some old standards like "Sing, Sing, Sing," and um, I don't know. There's just like lots of there's lots of stuff going on here. There's it's like part mob movie because like part of the thing is that this family becomes intertwined with vaudevillian show business and mobsters at the same time so you have uh certain characters that stay in that world and then some of the grandchildren start to break out and do different things but it it is pretty epic in scale and i think that is a difficult thing to pull off and have characters that you really engage with i think it does a decent job of that but Um, The soundtrack also has stuff like California Dreamin', uh, This Train by Peter, Paul, and Mary, Somebody to Love by Marcy Levy, um, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix, uh, Take Five by Dave Brubeck, which I think is a really great jazz track, Turn Me Loose by Fabian Forte himself is in this, and People Are Strange by the Doors is also in this. But for me, the one, oh, and also um, You Send Me by Sam Cooke, I'm Waiting for the Man by Lou Reed, Pretty Vacant by The Sex Pistols. It's a really fucking good soundtrack. The one that I love the most is Back to Bob Seeger, It's Night Moves. Um, there's, like, it's it's in the trailer, and it's, like, the last Uh, character in the movie is the one who like comes up with that song and so it's kind of a pivotal moment where he's been sort of bouncing around. He's very new wave like he's dressed in purple, he's got sunglasses, blonde hair and he comes into this, he's like a gopher for this uh, studio that's recording stuff he's like can I just play one of my songs and he plays Night Moves and it's this great moment and it sort of closes the movie Working on a night move
3: and to make some front page driving news working on our night
8: in the summertime.
5: It's a really wonderful evolution of music that you get to see through this thing. and it's the classic backsheet rotoscope animation with a little mix of like uh, real footage and some other styles mixed in a little bit. but it's not as exaggerated as you know, Fritz the Cat or Heavy Traffic, which I like those two. It's a little more grounded in that way. But yeah, the soundtrack's pretty great. There's also a really cool song called Hells for Children by Pat Benatar, (laughs) which is awesome, that kicks off the late 70s section. But Night Moves is really my jam from this one. And that actually comes up on another soundtrack that I picked that I had to sort of Switch out uh as my pick in
7: that soundtrack do you like the soundtrack more than the movie on this one i think
5: so Mm -hmm. the movie's pretty solid but i have other backseat movies i like a little more but it's it's a solid i mean for a 95 minute movie it covers a lot of territory and it does it well and it's it's well like the shots are well composed it's well put together you know it's Mm. it's pretty good i think it's a pretty solid movie so that's american pop
7: um, I had a record in my collection that I don't know how I got it, and from about five, six years ago, when I first got a record player, when I moved here, I got a record player, and it must have come from a second-hand store. But I don't, I don't remember buying it, and I'd never heard of the movie. Uh, and it's, I'm not kidding when I say it might be my favorite soundtrack of all time. Like I started listening to it, listening to it, and I only saw the movie like a couple days ago. So I'd never seen this movie. It's, a, it's really obscure, but is on currently on Amazon Prime. But the the soundtrack is remarkable. The movie is really strange. So it actually ties in really well to Once Upon a Time because it, uh, in America and uh, Hollywood, sorry, because of it's really L.A. in that exact same time period. It's, uh, it came out in 71, so it must have been shot 69, 70. So it's literally an L.A. movie, and it's uh, Dusty and Sweets McGee.
8: Those are heavy places. They really are. Like, just standing by this one makes me feel better. Yeah. Get young, you can't go back, but you sure would like to try. Yeah. Like just looking around, man, it really flashes. Like this asphalt. We used to play baseball all summer on the asphalt. You righteously get some hot hops off asphalt, man. Let me tell you. It burns. And trying to play football on the lawn with the sprinklers of the trips. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
3: See them bikes? I had a bike when I was a kid, man. It was a composite of about 20 other guys' bikes. There's about five of us that used to run around all day ripping them off. We used to strip them down in this gully, man. We had an assembly line down there for the whole neighborhood. They got a police station built on top of that gully now, on Third Street, a brand new one. Sure is ugly. Kids? What do you tell kids, man? You couldn't tell
7: me nothing when I was that age. Oh, nice. And it's uh, directed by Floyd Mitrix, who's already come up because he directed American Hot Wax and uh, Aloha Bobby Rose. But this is like kind of a fiction movie kind of a non-fiction. it's a, a docudrama where a lot of the people basically this director uh was super young he was like 28 and he hooked up with william fraker who shot rosemary's baby and he's like you know what we need is we need to shoot a film about what all these young people getting hooked on smack are about we need to make a film about heroin and what it's doing to everyone but without wagging our finger and making a point we're just gonna so he basically spent months developing, meeting people who were all real junkies who came from totally different walks of life. And this is like probably 69 when he's doing this. And then he started crafting it into uh, kind of a, a narrative, but they shot it on short ends. So it's kind of amazing to think of this little movie, and it it, it really does feel like part of an American New Wave. And it's it, having seen, it, it doesn't have much of a story because it's it's definitely much more of a portrait. And you're meeting all these different characters, like a young couple who are in love. One girl is the a valedictorian of Berkeley, and she's now got like a five hundred dollars a day habit, and then has to sell. Uh, sell sell drugs and makes fifteen hundred a day selling the drugs to support her five hundred a day using heroin. Uh, These are only one actor in it. One of the characters I can't remember his name. Super, he has a he's a great uh, character name if I can't find it. But like it's super dealer or something, and you wouldn't know he's the actor. Like you wouldn't know who was the actor. I uh, Fraker actually has a cameo uh, as like a corporate kind of <laughs> drug. But most of them, it's so perfectly kind of threaded but what's amazing about this movie and everyone should just for this reason alone even if you're not hooked by the narrative is if you were digging watching LA locations and once upon a time in Hollywood which are recreation you can see the exact it jumps around every part of LA a lot of it's at night uh, the soundtrack's really based on the exact same thing it was the music that was playing on the radio which is direct contrast to their lives it's actually it starts by saying the story of a solid gold weekend in LA but then what you're watching are these people who will never achieve the dream of these 60s golden records basically all these top hits anyway there's some real classic songs on this thing but um it, it's it's fascinating. It's a short. It's like seventy five minutes. Uh, so it was really cool to to have listened to a movie. Probably I probably listened to the soundtrack forty five times to yeah. only see the movie for the first time. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. But the one there's one track. Well, there's two. I'll mention. It has things like the Duke of Earl, Blue Moon, you know, Night Train, Locomotion, Book of Love, like big, big. Oh, he used
5: Locomotion in that too. Yeah, they use a That's lot so of these funny. very he used obvious. that in Aloha, Bobby and Rose also, which
7: makes sense. Yeah, it, it was top forty hits basically, I think. Uh, but uh, the one that there's this it ends with a track that I wasn't fr- it has Harry Nilsson Into the Mystic by Van Morrison is brilliant uh, there's two uh, Ride Captain Ride by Blues Image is used in this it's, it's one of the best it's just fantastic and it's, it's doing it well. just some guy is in his living room shooting up for the first time and you just feel <laughs> like fuck
3: Ride Captain
7: They were shooting up iodine, I guess, in this because they they realized they couldn't actually get. It. But they were all real heroin. Addicts, but they're shooting up something that wasn't. Um, yeah. But the song it ends this whole movie. So you don't have much of an emotional impact in this movie as you're watching it because it's treated as so kind of regular. All this heroin use, but then it builds the ending and they play this song that I'd never heard before. And it's I'm not kidding when if you ask me what is your favorite song now, it's probably the song. It's called so, "It's So Close" by Jake Holmes, and it's kind of the way um, your next used that. Your next use that one track at the start, Dw- Dwight, Dwight, Dwight where, where it just is brilliant. This this song builds to this beautiful thing, and they and they're cutting it together while you're watching all these people's lives. And the final montage, you're just like looking at these people, and you're listening to a song. You know, so close. We you know we j- almost made it. You know, it looks like we'll be all right, but it's just like you're you're feeling the gap between what these young people's futures are and the, what the music's promising.
3: Don't you cry now? i
7: And it's it's really I, I I wouldn't say the movie's amazing I think it's fascinating like really worth seeking out to see a subculture and to see LA. It's not a movie in terms of fiction movie. It's not some you know grand achievement. But the music, the soundtrack. Even if you just started listening, you would you'd get a kick. But that song, I love it. When you know a couple of mine have where there's a song I just never or an artist I don't know Jake Holmes. I still don't know much more of his I'm stuff nerding. since this one. Uh, but this track is. I just love
5: that you brought brought up Floyd Mutrux because, I mean, I didn't even, when I didn't even think about it, American Hot Wax, I I didn't think about it, but I was going to bring him up because uh, Hollywood Nights and uh, I really like Aloha Bobby and Rose, Mm. but all of them, he's a very soundtrack heavy guy. Like he's a... you know, following not necessarily following the footsteps of American Graffiti, but he is a guy who is a contemporary of George Lucas in that time, and is very much into that mm. m- radio music, and he does a great job with it. Yeah, I um, wrote
7: to I wrote to Jules at the Newbev as soon as I finished watching it. And I said, "Oh, just not not trying to ever tell you guys what to program, but I got to say, if you guys end up programming movies to go with once this movie does two of the same things, which is the, using the music of the time and also the way it sho- shoots L.A. Nice. and it probably was started around '69." So so it's like kind of perfect for that, yeah.
1: But
5: yeah. different, yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah. this was one of the first DVDs that Warner Archive released yeah, was Dusty and Sweets McGee
1: early
7: and on. And the, the sound, the vinyl uh, back of the vinyl is amazing because it just it's it's like wall to wall words, and it's just documenting like who these each who each character you've met, who the real person was, and it's pretty. It's really kind of amazing to see who was that of that drug particularly who was getting addicted at that time to this drug. It was it was like really you know uh, high level thinkers and you know people who were really motivated probably would have gone to have. Big careers and big lives, and it's just this drug that I, once you're in it, you're in it. You know, as we saw from Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's, it's it's a hard thing to kick. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, but but a really really beautiful soundtrack, so you
5: know, worth just to listen. Nice. Yeah. What you got, Millie?
6: All right. So uh, my next selection. This movie has become another thing. It's become <laughs> another thing that I don't know much about. But the original soundtrack for Hairspray, oh. nineteen eighty-eight is pretty killer.
3: Starring Sonny Bono, Ruth Brown, Devon, Michael St. Gerard, Debbie Harry, Ricky Lake, Jerry Stiller, and Sean Thompson. Uh-huh. The new comedy from John Waters. It's way beyond grease. Hairspray.
6: You know, the, my my favorite song that's in the movie that's not on the soundtrack is "Mashed Potato Time" by Dee Dee Sharp. I love that song. First of all, this entire, I mean, this whole soundtrack has basically like one of my favorite things ever, which is basically like songs that are dances. So, like, the Madison time and um, the roach and, you know, the bug and that kind of stuff. Uh, Mashed potato, obviously. So, I love that kind of stuff. And I guess that's kind of, like, what the movie is about. It's about, you know, kids in Baltimore who are you know essentially want to be it's basically uh ricky lake's character wants to be on a television show and she wants to be on it's kind of like a local version of american bandstand or something like that yeah um
5: meet star search yeah
6: yeah yeah very very strange which you know at the it's so strange because to me like i i mean i definitely watched a lot of that there was a lot of local programming i think when i was growing up but that shit Feels like it's gone. Like there's just no, I mean, there's no like local dance show, you know, on TV right now. So I love it for that reason. But there's so many good songs in there. And my, my favorite that is on the soundtrack is that I kept song, I'm Blue, which is also called the Gong Gong
1: song. Yeah, I'm blue.
6: You know, the iCats were kind of basically this like rotating cast of Tina Turner's backup singers, basically. Hmm. But that song is so great. And there's some really, really good tracks on this and like I said, I don't like I said, I don't know much about the new version of Cars I'm assuming none of this is in the new because it's all yeah.
5: That's a good question. I it's like think a it eradicates Yeah, it, yeah. Is the I don't think so
6: because so, it's basically like it's a so it was as a musical of the original movie. Then the musical got its own movie. So right. I, I have a feeling that those songs don't appear. On, <laughs> they wrote new yeah, songs. Probably.
1: basically. Yeah, I think so.
6: But. The Toussaint McCall song is so good. I mean, it's like so sad. Uh, New Orleans guy, so such a good artist. And it's just, you know, to me, it's like I love, as you can see, I love like old, old music, old music soundtracks are in a time and place and are, you know, evoking sort of like the era. And it's a great soundtrack. I love it.
5: Yeah. No, we should mention John Waters in the same breath with a lot of these other directors because – he almost always puts together an interesting eclectic soundtrack. Yeah. I I mean, I think his
6: record collection is about as deep as Quentin's, right? I mean, there, he's got songs on here that are just kind of like shit. These are like deep B sides, deep cuts, you know?
5: Yeah. I just love that, you know, you can watch a movie like serial mom and he squeezes in some old songs and like wizard of gore by Herschel Gordon Lewis Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. things like that, you know, just studio movie, but he's putting that John Waters spin and music is definitely a part of that. So that's a cool one. Um, all right, my next one is a new discovery for me. This just came out on Blu ray from Arrow Video. Uh, I had seen the VHS way back in the day. Anchor Bay put it out on VHS and DVD. It is called FM, it is from 1978.
0: <laughs>
2: Bobby, you gotta talk to your audience like you're talking to a friend, like you're talking to me. It cut out the smooth polish crap. I mean, if, uh, give them good, honest feelings. If they wanted smooth and polished, they'd listen to music. Or 99% of the other stations. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Don't stop trying.
5: It is, I call it like a more laid back, used cars hmm. meets WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> but with some Altman maybe in there, like an Altman LA hangout vibe. Um, but it's about a radio station in LA. They're kind of counterculture-ish, but they've, you know, done their own thing and become the most popular radio station in the city. And, and it's obviously L.A. is a big market, so there's some some money people coming knocking, and it's become a situation where they're trying to decide what to do with the station. Um, but it's got a really incredible cast, including uh, Howard Hesman. No, is it Howard Hesman? Who am I thinking of? No, uh, Martin Mole, Sorry, um, Martin Mole, Cleavon Little, Eileen Brennan, James Keach. Um, each one of these, each one of these uh, folks has their own show and their own. sort uh, Alex Karras is in there too. Um,
7: I've seen the cover. I've just never seen the movie.
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I I wasn't sure about the movie because I'd always heard like, oh, it's one of those movies that's probably the soundtrack is it. But it's actually not a bad movie. It it just in terms of the interplay between. Those characters, there's a great bit at the opening where Cleavon Little's character is basically like, my shift is up at six o'clock and whoever was supposed to be there to relieve him isn't there and he's like, I walk at six. Hmm. And so the guy who's running the station hears it and he's like, oh, fuck And He's like cruising through LA trying to get there in time because he knows that if he runs out, they're just gonna have dead air because Cleavon's gonna be gone. Uh, but Cleavon is great in it and it's reminiscent of, you know, uh Vanishing Point, I can't help but think Mm -hmm. of Super Soul when I see him in a DJ booth, so (laughs) that's great. But um, yeah, the soundtrack is incredible. I mean, it's one of those movies, it was when I was talking about this movie on Twitter, uh, my friend Wes Anthony had this really great tweet that I had to put into this because I just thought it was so good. He's like, I seriously think the FM soundtrack may be the most perfect, one of the most perfect snapshots of mainstream rock just at the moment that punk was about to storm the gates and transform the rock landscape. Compare it to, for instance, the Times Square soundtrack, also a double LP two years later. And so, I mean, the soundtrack is, it's Steely Dan heavy. They do the title track. They do, um, I almost picked, uh, God, it's four, four sides. I'm trying to think, uh, what's the other... Do It Again was the other um, Steely Dan song I almost picked. Life in the flat Fast Lane by the Eagles, Fly Like an Eagle, Steve Miller Band, Cold as Ice, Foreigner, Breakdown of Tom Betty and the Heartbreakers, More Than a Feelin' by Boston, hmm. Tumbling Dice, Linda Ronstead. The movie actually stops for a minute and becomes a Linda Ronstead concert, which doesn't sound like a good thing, but it's actually great. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it keeps you running by the Doobie Brothers Life's Been Good Joe Walsh We Will Rock You Queen um, so it's a really incredible soundtrack all through and this also has uh, Night Moves by Bob Seger yes. but I'm gonna which go which is your pick
7: again <laughs> no it's not my pick again <laughs> your double Night Moves Brian
5: loves <laughs> Night Moves <laughs> I do love Night Moves but I'm gonna go with Bob Skaggs' Lido Shuffle one
2: I'm
7: not kidding. I, have a, I think I have a Boss Skaggs list. Do you really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's so I don't even know which one of them. But I, no, I don't
5: to. think about Boss gags that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, this song is really- I, He <laughs> named an album Silk Degrees. <laughs> right? It's like fucking- I mean, uh, That's yeah, just okay.
6: like so evocative.
5: <laughs> right? Yeah. So I don't know why I associate him with Joe Jackson or something. I don't know. They just both seem like very individual <laughs> dudes. Anyway, uh, uh, Lighter Shuffle is a really great song that just is one of those rock songs that gets bigger and it has like- electronic elements and it gets like swelly and I don't know I just I re- it's very celebratory in this way that I was like yep this beats out the Steely Dan for me mm-hmm. and I know that's ridiculous to say because obviously <laughs> Steely Dan is like one of those bands that people just absolutely love and I do like Steely Dan but this is the one that I I just couldn't I I kept I played it about three times today just listening to make sure that <laughs> was, this is the one I wanted to do so and it's just out you said it came out from Arrow it's a really nice Blu-ray the I, this movie's been problematic because of the soundtrack so it's been fully restored as I understand it so you'll just have some really great fu- this is something I kind of miss but I kind of understand why it's extraneous when you have a movie where a really great high-profile song is playing very quietly in the background mm-hmm. and you're like that's really expensive quiet background yeah, music that right. you d- yeah, right? So like I get why people, you know, studios or whoever is like I don't know if I want to pay for that but there's something about having those big pro high-profile songs playing like I think more than a feeling might actually play like real quietly in yeah. the background I'm just like yeah, wow that's yeah. so neat to just have that in the background yeah. you know anyway that's FM from 1978
7: all right, this one might be an obvious one. It's, uh, but I've had so many random things. Uh, one of my favorite coming of age movies, and it's funny. I thought about going, ah, this is too recent. I shouldn't put it on. And I'm like, 2001 was now 18 yeah. years
1: ago. <laughs> Not so recent. And I
7: showed this to students who had never heard of it. So me, the three of us will all go, oh, yeah, of course. But I showed it to students who had never heard of the film, and I realized, yeah, I guess you would have been too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Makes me feel old. And that is uh, another guy who knows a lot about music, Terry Zwigoff's Ghost World.
0: I kind of like him. He's the exact opposite of everything I really hate. In a way, he's such a clueless dork. He's almost kind of cool.
3: The guy has many things, but he's definitely not cool. <sighs>
1: Oh, oh, which nice. I
7: think is one of I've probably listened to this close to the most, uh, but two main reasons. Uh, first, loose hammer
5: is your pick. Yeah, I'm no, it doesn't.
7: Uh, that's what, it's funny. That, but yeah, the the Indian track that opens this movie. Oh, is yeah. one of the most creative, oh, so and the music video. Yes, uh, which is uh, John Pan Chanchal. John Pan Chancho. Doo, 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 doo.
3: <laughs> Uh, who is it by Muhammad
7: Rafi it is such a great way to open a movie and you get totally into the type of person she is that she's kind of hip and throwback and vintage I think this movie like even though it's on a criterion I think it's still underrated I think this is like an actual modern masterpiece it has an ending that's utterly like uh, heartbreaking and sad and like perfectly coming very poignant without, and, yeah without yeah. ruining it yeah. I also love Dan Klaus is one of my is my favorite comic book artist oh, yeah. always has been uh, and Ghost World wasn't even my favorite of his comics I think the movie actually might might even poke above um, but uh, you know Steve Bish- if you haven't seen it, it's like uh, Thor Birch and Scarlett Johansson finish high school and they're kind oh, wait, of the outs- out outside oh
5: we'll see oh well <laughs> you know you
7: should know right? uh, yeah. Scarlett Johansson and Thor Birch uh, are friends and it charts there they want to be the kind of rebel cool kids who don't want to uh, you know be part of society and of course you know Scarlett Johansson slowly realizes eh, it's actually not so bad to be part of society.
6: Ooh, uh, yeah. Thor I, doesn't. Oh my God, that, I got to tell you, like, just to break in real yeah. quick. Like, so, you know, every, when I saw the movie, it was like a revelation for me because yeah. I was like, holy shit, this is like my life. Right. <laughs> and every, every pair of women who are yeah. friends are like, Ghost World, we're so Ghost World. And there's a, <laughs> there's a moment where I remember going, oh, I'm Thora Birch. like, no. I think I'm Scarlett <laughs> Like uh-huh. Because that's the thing is that, the, the I think it's what's so great about that movie is that you're kind of going like, one is, you know, like you have to grow up sometime, right? And yeah. like that's, one is doing that, and the other one's like, why would you ever do that? Like, don't be a sellout. Yeah. Like what the fuck, you work at Starbucks? But like, to me, that's what I love about that movie is that it's showing like, true friendship. Like the way that friends evolve and you wonder if they're gonna, you know, make it like yeah friends grow forever apart or not, or I mean, not. I mean, it's, yeah it's you know, it's really interesting.
7: And Thor, and Thor Birch's character is really interesting because you do go from, like, she can be obnoxious and really dislike, but then there's other moments where you, you want her to connect and the Steve Buscemi character is like, you know, it's really one of the best things he's ever gotten to do because he's always great, but this is one of the only times where I feel like we've got to see this three-dimensional, almost the romantic side to him and it's really hard to watch and again, it's some of the use of diegetic music in this that, because, you know, obviously Zweigov, you know, his bond with Crumb was over. These old art. Uh, Another albums. great soundtrack. But yeah. but my but this. Anytime somebody introduces me to someone's work and and it becomes like my favorite. But I hadn't heard of Skip James until I saw this film. And is it love is the devil? Love be the devil. Uh, lo, no love be. Uh, devil where? got my woman. Devil yeah. Devil got my woman.
3: Oh, love the devil. Love be that woman man Be be
7: woman, it, without being introduced through this, and now I've listened to like anything I could get my hands on. Yeah, uh, yeah, devil, yeah, devil got my woman. Um, I just think this is one of the best songs, uh, and the use of it again, where somebody's playing somebody yeah, something, he's she trying becomes to becomes obsessed your, by it. It's, and it's a yeah, great, great. You
5: can see why. That's another thing that's always tough is to pull off a thing where music or comedy or whatever, we're supposed to believe it's really good and it's worthy of that character's time. Mm -hmm. And that song totally does that. You're like, oh, wow, I can see why she... Puts it right back on the needle. Yeah, the needle right back on the record again.
7: And there's and but there's lots of great stuff here. Uh You've got what do I get? Buzzcocks. And oh, I so, see. Yeah. I yeah. thought you
6: were gonna pick that one. Actually, no.
7: One it, 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 see, I like I like the use of those, but it, it's because it introduced me to something that just like for me was just it was so good. And and the theme at the end. I mean, I know we're not doing soundtrack, mm. but it's just really one piece of theme music oh. It just kills you. No, it's because beautiful. it earns it. The movie earns it. It's, it's a great beautiful. movie. <laughs> it's so funny
6: when she when when she plays that Buzzcocks song and then debuts her, like, original 1977 punk rock look and no one gets it. She's just like, (laughs) everyone's too stupid. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've been there. You're trying to pull off a look and no one's getting it and you're like, fuck Everyone, uh, yep. I just, you know, that movie is just so great. I'm
5: so no, easy. I'm with you. It's a really good movie. Yeah. I do think, it, you, like you said, it is under, it It had a moment in 2001. Yeah. I know me and my, you know, big film nerd friends were like really excited about it. Oh, yeah. And it was a big, I was working at the video store at the time, and everybody at my work was like, that movie's fucking great. Everybody that I liked was was, I, I can't think of anybody that saw it that didn't like it. But now I feel like even despite that Criterion thing, like kids don't know. She about was
7: showing it. it yeah, showing it to a bunch of twenty year olds, they all responded to it. Yeah. And and, and, and especially that's... when I asked them, I said, Go research the ending. Like like what tell me what you think the ending means and then go research it. And I, I don't want to ruin it because if no one's heard it, but if you actually research the ending and what how the ending in the comic means, they're filmed the same the filmed and the way it's in the comic look basically the same, but the intention seems quite different and one is pretty like as a big choice, which is not the movie. Uh, it's really interesting. So that would just, be, watch the movie, then look that up. But they were all super engaged. And I was like, okay, so this has aged very well, uh, which is cool, you know. Oh
6: my God. It's like, God, if you've ever liked anything, if yeah. you've ever been a, like a obsessed fan of anything, you're just going to hit you in the fucking yeah. guts because you're like, the moment that he's like, I hate my interest. You're like, oh, God. Like, we've all been there. Like, we're all that person that has, like, all the records and all of this. And, you know, you're like questioning, like, am I, like, broken because of what I love and my passions? You know? Oh, he totally
7: would have had a podcast if he was now.
5: Oh, my God. That (laughs) That entire party, Uh,
7: that
6: that
5: record party. That would have been a podcast. (laughs) That would have been this. Well, he has that great bit where he talks about. (laughs) I always laugh at it where he talks about collecting things yeah. and how it's actually the, the way to not connect to people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like,
3: you are like the luckiest guy in the world. I would kill
5: to have stuff like this.
7: Please, go ahead and kill me.
5: Oh, come on. What are you talking about?
7: Well, you, you think it's healthy to obsessively collect things? You can't connect with other people, so you fill your life with stuff? Just like all the rest of these pathetic collector losers
5: oh shit and it's I look the, at my uh, blu-ray wall i'm too like real, fuck. Too real. it's also the
7: only uh, film on our list that feature one of our past guests shout out to pat healy oh yes Hey, oh,
5: right, I, and Knight. i forgot he was in it when he's i rewatched it. it and he actually oh, has yeah, a pretty good grade in it <laughs> so yeah, yeah super. i like him in it a lot um all right so millie's turn
6: okay um Okay, so this soundtrack was just a huge one for me as I was growing up. I mean, I think it's probably uh, like a really well-known soundtrack for people of a certain age group. But it's singles from 1992.
0: Uh-oh. My chest
1: hurts.
0: Uh oh. You didn't do anything like leave a note, did you? No, I left my blue T-shirt by mistake.
1: There oh, are oh, no. no. What? What?
0: What that? What does that mean? Janet, give me the phone.
7: <clears throat> I am going to call my new. My girlfriend. You
3: don't realize you're gonna scare her off. She's beautiful. Anyone would call her. You distinguish yourself by not calling her. Yep. P.S. That's how
0: you get her.
5: No, 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 Bailey. You don't understand.
0: Am I the only one that remembers your last three girlfriends?
3: Uh, you're right. I gotta let this one breathe.
1: Um,
5: I thought about it. I thought about it. (laughs)
6: Yeah, touch me on dick. Um, I, you know, I love that movie. Oh, me too. I I just think it's, I mean, I know that it's kind of like a flashpoint culturally, you know, like it was trying, you know, I think it's that thing where like if you're documenting a scene Mm. and then it everything is that. And then like everyone points to that be like, that's the grunge movie. That's the Seattle grunge movie. And I'm like, but the movie's actually good. Yeah. It's like really heartfelt, you know?
7: Plus it- Xavier McDaniel was my favorite player at the time. <laughs> oh, and so, so when he pops up in the dream, and Steve, don't come yet. It's like, <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> like dude, how
6: did that happen? Yeah. Was such a great moment. Well, that's it's funny
5: comment.
6: because um, on my Instagram, I'm called Debbie Country. Mm. On my Instagram, yeah. that comes from singles. Like, Oh,
5: I oh. wonder what that is.
6: What yeah, is that? So, um, what's um goodness gracious the redhead that's in um it's not Kyra there oh uh, now i gotta look it up i'm sorry I go for it
7: go for <laughs> it <laughs> you, while you're doing that I'll, s- I'll say the funny thing is when i was young you like oh, i want to be like matt Dillon. i watch something like that now i go oh, i want to be like bill pullman
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
6: that's exactly. how you
7: age the oh, boring bro- guy yeah, yeah you want to be
1: the boring
6: um d- uh sheila kelly that's <laughs> right. okay she plays debbie hunt who was the uh, oh yeah 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 okay. so she makes this dating video and it's like, those. so basically, okay. Who directs a, those? Huh? Who directs Martin those Martin Scorsese. Movies? It's yeah, the yeah, next Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Or Tim Burton. Tim Burton, Tim Burton, yeah. Burton, that's a great shaven Tim Burton. That's a I know. She's like, I'm going to recreate your look. So they make this like really avant-garde. It looks kind of like a Ken Russell movie, but it's like a dating <laughs> video. And there's like all these like weird scenes in the middle of it where like she's like flying through the air. And at the very end of her dating video, she says, come to where the flavor is. Come to Debbie Country. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's amazing. I remember that now. I always thought that the concept of Debbie Country is like that. I used to always joke with my friends that if you're in Debbie Country, it's like you're desperate to get out there and start dating in the world. Like, I'm in Debbie Country, guys. Like, you know, I'm really hurting for a date. So anyway, I just have loved that concept of Debbie Country. And so that's what my Instagram name is. That's awesome. The, so awesome. the soundtrack is like totally the heavy hitters of the time, so it's like Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, um, Temple
7: of the Dog or not,
6: t- you I'm know? No. no, okay, but I can't. But I, but, but I think there's on, another. On another one, um, like mixed it. band. What's the name? Like, um, maybe not actually Mother Love Bone. Oh, yeah, yeah,
7: that's that's another
5: one. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah not yeah. a super group, but,
6: uh, um, but you know, Soundgarden and. Paul Westerberg, which I think is pretty cool. But uh, for me, there's the the last two tracks are the best. So there's the Screaming Tree song, Nearly Lost You. Oh, I love that song! Such a
3: great song!
5: I used to put that that was a go-to for mixtapes yes. for me I just absolutely love
6: it's such a great song it is it holds up I think it's probably one of the best songs of the era because you know it's like you think about it it's like okay you've heard like Jeremy and my Pearl Jam and like Alice in Chains you know whatever but like to me this that Screaming Tree song is like give me a song about the 90s Seattle thing it's that one I love it um, and then my favorite ugh is that Smashing Pumpkins song Drown <laughs> which has, it's like their shoegaze song. So it la- it's like, I don't know how long it is, like nine minutes or something like that. It's really long because it has this like extended outro or it's basically like they just go all fucking My Bloody Valentine and they're just like screeching guitars and it's all kind of like, you know, um, like shoegazy guitar noises. And it's just like so romantic and it's just the best like last track of an album, of a soundtrack album. But anyway, that movie is so great. Um, that is a weird one too. I don't know, you know, rights wise. I don't, I think it's on DVD, right? Yeah, it's on Blu ray, yeah. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'm thinking about the TV rights on it because, yeah, I think I tried to play it before
1: and it didn't go.
6: Interesting. But, um, yeah Isn't iconic it, for me
5: hendrick's song waterfall <laughs> in there too that's a pretty song am i thinking the wrong may lady?
6: this be love that's may, oh song? is that the
5: Hendrix song okay waterfall wait, mm-hmm. wait, i can't think of it anyway.
1: oh yeah
6: campbell scott
5: his oh, character scott. yeah yeah
6: i mean wow his character now is like that's like a guy now like, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 no he's <laughs> like, great man no. oh
5: wow. uh, that's a good pick that's cool that, that was actually when i i had briefly on my list because I was... Yeah, I thought about rewatching
7: it just because it's been a while. It's, yeah. And it, I love... I, I think for our generation, that film is really the perfect... I, how old, We probably would have been 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that yeah. range. Yeah, it was
6: at just that moment yeah. where I was like, you know, like I had heard the Pixies. Yeah. And so yeah. now I was on a tear. And yeah. So.
5: No, I I hadn't heard almost any band in the soundtrack when I, when I mm-hmm. got it. And yeah. I did buy it, that soundtrack. And I was like, wow, this is great. And yeah, I remember it introducing me to a whole bunch of like that I mean I knew Nirvana but I really didn't know that scene and that movie really did it for me so yeah, that's good stuff um, alright so I'm uh, like I said I'm coming back to one I've mentioned on the show but I feel like it's been a little while I want to say I, I put it in my 2000 cult movies which would be a long time ago it feels like I've mentioned it more recently but uh, that's Dear Wendy from 2005
2: you're the kind of boys this country
5: is built on in a way it's a shame we're keeping this to ourselves We were losers. Maybe not right now, but we were. Just look at it as a kind of social experiment that's gonna help you become what you really are. You guys in?
3: SEBASTIAN! You never ever touch another Danny's gun.
2: That's rule number one. Sebastian's got himself into some nasty trouble.
5: He's real cute. What do you mean
2: cute? What do you have that I don't have? Maybe you're not very good at understanding women.
8: We don't want you here. You come here and you ruin everything.
2: You drop that pathetic gun.
5: Thomas Vinterberg's film about this blue collar American town with a group of teens played by Jamie Bell, Allison Pill, Mark Webber trying to remember. There's a couple more that I'm not thinking of, but um, the local law enforcement is Bill Pullman. And basically this group of outcasts puts together a gun club, more or less, but they romanticize it. They call themselves the dandies. They all have very antiquated firearms and they have rules about said firearms. It's It's an interesting and maybe not necessarily appropriate if we're talking about, you know, right now to talk about because it is I mean, or maybe very appropriate. Um, it's definitely about the human uh, romance, if you will, with firearms. And I think that well, we're definitely going to
7: be human as much as American. It could be just <laughs> American. Because it is yeah. the West, I think, it to do with the West. Yeah.
5: yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's it goes way back, yeah. really, uh, if you think about it. But um, it's it's a really interesting movie and a strange movie. It plays almost like some kind of fable or fairy tale or something I mean, it I doesn't
7: still never seen different wind and i like venturi so. i think you
5: dig it i think you dig it um just because this cast is really strong and and it's an intriguing movie but uh one, one thing i love about it is the soundtrack is almost all zombies songs and mm. i adore the zombies oh, odyssey and oracles definitely one of my favorite albums of all time um it was a tough call i mean there's there's a lot of great stuff here she's not there rose for emily time of the season of course everybody knows there's a song called woman which i really like and then I came down to like two tracks. I think I think I'm going to go with uh, the way I feel inside, which is a really sparse, almost it's almost a cappella. <laughs> it's Colin Blunstone the lead singer s- sort of singing about like loneliness and love and Should I try to hide the way I
3: feel inside my heart for you. Would you say that you would try to love me too? In your mind, could you ever be really close to me? I can tell
5: the Beautiful way song. You There's another one called Indication that I like quite a bit I too, but I, 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 I think the way I feel inside, inside is inside. the one... That stands out to me that I think people should check out. Uh, but yeah, the movie's great, and uh, so is the soundtrack. I don't know if it's officially available, but you can certainly stream. I, I, I think I saw it as a playlist on Spotify, and I definitely recommend. If you don't know the zombies, or if you only know Time of the Season, go listen to the soundtrack, and I guarantee it will convert you instantly. You know. Yeah so that's my Um,
7: next yeah the next one is uh one i was gonna save for our we're gonna be doing in a couple months we'll be doing our 70s cult movies and this is just one i i loved it's really hard to still see unfortunately and um but I found the use of the soundtrack really interesting. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It is uh, you sh- gave a shout out to Diane Keaton earlier. It's Looking for Mr. Goodbar uh-huh. uh, by Richard Brooks, 1977, um, based on this interesting, you know, very uh, controversial novel uh, by Judith uh, Rosner at the time because it was the true story. Uh, it's man, it's hard to talk about not talking about spoilers with this movie yeah. because it, it's. If it ended five minutes earlier, it'd be a different type of movie. Uh, but I, I'll try to avoid a little bit. But it, it's a about a school teacher uh, who, you know, is it's basically her exploring her sexuality in the time against uh, the backdrop of disco, and uh, you know, a lot of Do- uh, Donna Sumner, which is really cool. Uh, and she is really, it's like you know, a feminist piece where she's learning to be herself and empowering herself.
2: Martin? Yeah. Happy... Hello? Hello? How could you make such a call? What were you, drunk? Goofed up? What the hell were you thinking of? Nothing, nothing, nothing ever happened between us. And if it does again, it still never happened. You understand? I will not be compromised. Not
0: here on campus, not in my home, not at work. I will not leave my wife.
2: I will not allow her to be hurt by an occasional afternoon roll in the. A-
0: it might be uh, better for both of us, all around, if uh, if we forgot we ever, uh, if we never again.
8: Oh, right.
7: Uh, but that is then juxtaposed with the danger of, and I I really, while I was watching this, I was really thinking about just how a thousandfold more dangerous it would be now with so with the media apps to date people and the way people could like use that to stalk or whatever yeah. but um it's it's basically charting uh, in a really elliptical way the camera never leaves her she's in every frame of this movie and never starts going with another character it's always on her and it's one of the best performances she's ever given it's it's really criminal how hard this movie is to find it's one of those films that i think uh, it's a little long like for what it is there there's some backstory stuff that i think if you had trimmed I think maybe it'd be seen a bit more of a masterpiece. Uh, but what what we then get to see is these incredible relationships she has with uh, different guys. One is like, you know, the college professor guys just fits all those cliche stereotypes about the college professor. Uh, so it's almost starts from kind of almost campy where the movie begins in terms of that relationship to an incredible Richard Gere performance where he is just like watching electricity on screen, especially even better than what he does in American gigolo. It's like, um, and you know, probably what got him that role, but he is just this guy who's wired and he, he, he You know, you're lucky to fuck him. That's his his view, right? You're lucky to have me. But he wants to kind of crash with her, and and he's like trying to take more from her. And at a certain point, she teaches deaf children. Uh, and she's, you know, a really good person, and at a certain point, she gets hooked on drugs, and as soon as uh, drugs become part of her scene, there's an amazing elliptical cut where she's just doing some drugs, and the next thing you know, she is actually a prostitute, and the cut is so seamless, they don't build into it at all, it's actually quite shocking, and now she's seeing men, but it's not treated in a way that's trying to make a big deal out of it, it's just, this is one of her decisions and she's going to go with it and keep and you keep going with the narrative because Diane Keaton's so good in this movie uh but what's interesting about the way the soundtrack's used when we're with her at school at home I'm pretty sure there's no music ever plays and every time she goes out at night disco plays and it sets this it basically sets up the world she she wants to feel she wants to enter that world and she she has every right as a modern woman to get to have that safely but that's not what the movie has in store for her. That's not what the story has in store for her, that it's going to be a safe journey. And it ends up being, it's an incredibly dark, uh, you know, tread cautiously kind of tale. I would warn some people I don't want to ruin it because it is one of the one of the great, uh, you know, uh, shocking kind of conclusions I've seen in, in a movie in my life. And I remembered it from about 15 years ago. And then a friend of mine was able to find a really high end good version of this uh, through God knows what means uh, was, so I could rewatch it because I really had been more, Jones. To
5: re-watch it's played this. on TCM, I think. I think so. It has no. played on TCM
7: before, no. yeah. But uh, but so it has a lot of um, so. If that it sounds like your jam, uh, <laughs> and, and it's actually pretty fun and funny right up until it's not. Well, she's
5: really good in it. I mean, that's one thing I definitely. A- and remember. Tom Berenger
7: comes into this movie, and he is equally electric, and it's just like very unhinged, and it's a very intense performance. Mm-hmm. But um, so there's some really good guys, and I think it might be both of their first. Oh it's, wow! It's definitely. I think it's is it gears? No gears first is. Playing a pimp in that movie I talked about the other week with you on the Scorsese episode, yeah. uh, The Report for the Commissioner. That was his first. That's his the pimp role? Yeah, in I that? think he just has a real. Wow. Sp- so, similar kind of thing. <clears throat> um, but there's, you know, Don't Leave Me This Way by Thelma Houston. Uh, could It Be Magic by Donna Summer, which is written by Barry Manlow. Uh, they're all really good. The key title track of the movie is particularly great. It is called um, Don't Ask to Stay Until Tomorrow. By Artie Cain uh, Sung by Marlena Shaw That's like the, the title track But the track I love Is Lowdown by Boz Skaggs yeah, <laughs> I love that one. It's really good
3: Babies into running around Hanging with the crowd Putting your business in the street Talking out now Saying you bought a this and that How much you don't spent I swear you must believe It's all heaven says
2: Hey boy, better bring really a check around
3: To the sad, sad truth,
2: the dirty law down
5: <laughs> it's so good. But, we got two Boz
7: Yeah, <laughs> but, but everything in this is really great. But that one I was like, oh, this is great. And it also it speaks to the world she's like suddenly in. You oh, know? yeah. It's that's so such good. a
6: perfect.
7: Yeah. <laughs> it's and it's so, so much fun. I,
6: had I known there would be two yeah. buzz games. <laughs> We're <on> a <laughs> <gays>. <laughs> um, uh, That's great.
7: But it, it's a real bummer that this is hard to see. And ho- hopefully anytime we put some things like that on this, it's not to frustrate you. It's in hopes that somebody listens and goes, oh, shit. let's. Ch- I'm sure this is music rights
1: issues. Yeah. It's got to um, be. It's, it's got to be. Gotta
7: all all these tracks but I mean I
5: feel like that stuff's getting solved more and more recently I mean seeing Little Darlings which is also a music track related not quite on the level of that that's it's just had less songs. But seeing Little Darlings pop up on streaming gives me hope for any movie that I've ever wanted. So maybe they'll work out the streaming rights. Maybe they're – you know, the lawyers What's are working weird out The ways. soundtrack
7: is easily available. Yeah. This is on vinyl. You can listen to all these songs. So it's like why is this
5: – It's just a matter of yeah. restructuring for new media kind of legal agreements yeah. I would assume. And that's difficult. You know, yeah. when the lawyers get involved, it's tricky. But it seems like they're working on it. It seems like they're working some things out. And things that I never thought would show up are showing up. So – you know, who knows? Yeah. who knows?
7: And Diane Keaton, you know, there, I will just say there was one scene I actually wrote to my, the guy I write with. And after I started, I was like, you know, sometimes you see a, a scene, just a moment that feels so original, like just the human behavior wise. And there's a moment where uh, gear has kind of, beat her up a little like he you know and and she's trying to kick him out he's like you know hit her eye and her sister comes in uh played by um played as it lays um pretty poison oh oh, oh. tuesday weld, tuesday weld yeah. so the equally amazing reason to watch this movie she's great in I it forgot about that she she's comes in surprised. to help her and she's like oh, all freaked out and she's like oh what can i do and she goes to the ice box to get you know ice and there's no ice but there is an orange pops uh, creamsicle that's unopened like out of its bag so she puts the orange creamsicle on it which is you know in itself kind of funny to Watch, and she goes, "Oh, let me get." And she gets like a blanket to put on her, and it dumps like six cockroaches on her. So she's screaming as roaches are on her body while yeah. she's got an orange creamsicle. And it's so—it's rare that I laugh out loud at the behavior, and it's such an original beat. And you just go, "That's a great moment!" Like, so it's kind of some great observational movie making in
5: there. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely a movie that needs a better home yeah, video release. So I hope it gets it. Right What's your again? Yes, your number two spot.
6: So maybe a good segue. Another movie about. Women in trouble, maybe Mm -hmm. in New York. Uh, So I picked Times Square because we mentioned it before, but you know, I I had to.
3: There are eight million stories in the big city. People say I have a bird's eye view perched up here, night after night, looking right down into the heart of the beast. That stuff comes with me. Would you give him the car? Yes, it's story time. This is Johnny LaGuardia. It's that kind of night and that kind of feeling. Uh, Pamela, this is uh, Dr. Huber of Columbia Presbyterian.
5: No, that's great. I thought about this one, too. Yeah,
6: I mean, just because... I'm glad you picked it. You know, and and I will say for real that this is... There's a music issue with this movie because I've tried to play it a hundred times on TCM and ah, every time it's fuck. like, nope, not available. Um, I know the
5: DVD is out of print. This is from the director of Pump Up the Volume, yeah. uh, Ellen Moyle. But yeah, I know the DVDs long out of print. I mm-hmm. don't know if they're going to fix that.
6: It's such a shame because I rewatched it. I, I saw it a long time ago and I rewatched it again because I was coming on and I was like, this movie is pretty insane like it's it's great it's like such a great you know i love those coming-of-age movies women you know coming-of-age movies uh, th- i mean it is there are moments where you're like wow like these are like this is hardcore shit like um you know i'll just briefly the story is basically a um it's kind of like uh, two young girls i would say probably like 16 yeah. i don't remember how old they are
5: they're pretty young pretty young Maybe Um, not even 16.
6: Yeah, one is a, you know, kind of like been living on the streets for a while, potentially has a mental illness. I think maybe actually has a mental illness, like in the movie they confirm it or something. I don't remember if they actually do. I know that in the original source material, she definitely has like schizophrenia or something like that. Um, And then, so it's her and then a girl her age, the daughter of like a city uh, councilman commissioner who wants to clean up Times Square because you know it's the good era of Times Square. It's like real shitty and scary. Yeah. So he's on this campaign to clean it up and um, for maybe she's, there's some behavior problems with his daughter. So they end up, she ends up in a um, mental institution or a mental hospital.
5: Oh, yeah, sort of an in- outpatient thing. Yeah,
6: yeah. So she becomes roommates with this other girl. And uh, they kind of bond in the hospital. And then they break out of the hospital and then just like live on the streets. And it's like... They, uh, they go find- down to the docks and, yeah. you know,
5: deserted get, warehouse or yeah, whatever. Yeah, d-
6: they just live in a deserted warehouse that they just go around like stealing shit to like decorate and stealing clothes. And they're kind of just like going out on into Times Square and like running dice games and uh, uh, doing scams and shit. And, uh, you know, as at first you're kind of like, this is charming. Like you're like, they're, they're just being little scamps and that's cute. And then it starts going in this direction where you're like, Oh shit, like now she's working in a strip club. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, she's not naked, but you know, uh, she's literally working in a club. And no, like, I was going to
5: you know, show this to my daughter, and I re- was re watching it, and I was like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I forgot about this stuff. It
6: yeah, really yeah, gets yeah. dark. And it's, so, what happens is, is that they become kind of like um, you know these kind of like uh, like they're kind of like an urban legend. It's like a legend of
5: Billy Jeannie kind yes. of thing. Yes, and then they just put like
6: street heroes, basically. And Fed like,
5: by that Tim Curry uh, DJ, who's oh, kind of exactly un- that's a great bit.
6: So they uh, are obsessed with this uh, DJ played by Tim Curry. He's kind of like a late night radio DJ playing all the hits. You know, like he's a cool guy, and so it kind of turns into this whole like uh, like he kind of makes them legendary, and then they're kind of. Going going around and um, they're dropping TVs from windows and it's kind of their like prank and like they're starting to get notoriety and I think it becomes obvious to the daughter of the commissioner that maybe her friend actually might have mental illness and may need some help maybe has a drinking problem so there's kind of this whole like do we sell out do I go home to my dad in my simple life or do I keep going and I'm like this cool New York you know renegade chick and It's just a really, really great movie. And the soundtrack is totally of the era, like the late 70s, early 80s, like punk era. But So it's got like the usual suspects, like the Ramones, Joe Jackson, you know, Susie Quattro, the Pretenders. um, my, My favorite part of the movie is the part where the song Life During Wartime by the Talking Heads is playing. And they're like traipsing down 42nd Street and they're just having the time of their lives. And they're just like pimps and like drug dealers and like all of those characters from you know those like from real
7: life, New yeah, York yeah, City yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I, I always, I always t- have to tell people when, when they don't believe that New York was like that. i have like, I think I was, I don't know if I've told you this. I might have told in the show when I was, I think, tw- 13, and I'm just walking down the street and and a real deal yes, pimp, he did like tell a this. guy who's like rocking the pimp. He just sees me, and goes, look, big man, big man. He puts his arm around me, and goes, yo man, I, I got girlies who suck your dick off and mo. <laughs> And and I, for the next year, all I thought about is what is mo, <laughs> like what is more than that? <laughs> Something I had not experienced. I was like my brain was racing. I didn't were thirteen, you said. I think I was like thirteen, wow. and it was. Too, but it was just so like it was out of a movie. Yeah. And I, and, you're, and you and go to New York now, and you do not see. It oh is, my god! It it's is like you know the Lion King. So
6: well, and that's a, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing too is that I. I was, go, like, my, the first time I ever went to New York was probably, like, 90, 97 or 98. So it was starting to turn. You know, yeah, it was already yeah. there. But it was, like, now it's, like, you know, are you kidding me? It's, like, tourism and Broadway. That's where you go to get your Broadway line, line up to get your tickets. But, like, to me, that era is, for movie people especially, because it was just where the grindhouse came yeah. from. And so we have this romanticized view of it. And then you know, it's funny because you're seeing these two girls like skipping down the street, doing a dance to this like great talking head song and I was like, I should be horrified, right? Because technically I'm the age where I could probably like be their mothers or something like that. (laughs) But instead I was like, fuck yeah, like these girls are awesome and like they're having so much fun and they're just kind of like, they're street wise and they're just kind of like, you know, and everybody on the streets respecting them and they're kind of just cool with it and they think they're cute, they're cool. And so I don't know, I just thought that was such an exhilarating little uh, scene. But so it's either the Talking Head song or the other the other song, which is the Lou Reed song, Walk on the Wild Side, which is yeah. to me like the one icon it's like the iconic New York, yeah. weird New York song. So anytime I see that song comes on, it's like the minute every time I, see, I hear that song, I think Weird New York.
1: When yeah. New York was weird, <laughs> when New York Island. was cool. and yeah, places yeah, like
3: yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Holly came from Miami FLA. Hitchhiked her way across the USA. Plucked her eyebrows on the way. Shaved her legs and then he was a she. She says, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said,
5: hey honey, take a walk on the wild side.
6: So, it's such a great movie.
5: Yeah, no, it really is and I wish it was more available. I know it was streaming somewhere for a little while and it's not even streaming now, so.
6: Yeah, I gotta say, I think i Found it. There might be a, a copy on Vimeo. Oh, nice. ha- good. TCM out. on All right. The it's
5: good. Uh, huh? Would this be? She said. I a tried. tried. Yeah. Oh, oh, so just it's too expensive. Okay. Yeah.
6: Well, no. I think it's so. I feel like the rights are with Lionsgate or some weird thing like that. Like they. Oh. Well, or the TV rights, or at oh. least it was kind of part of their whole. <coughs> I was gonna
5: say maybe they would put it on, on Blu-ray if they owned it because they've been doing the yeah. restaurant line, but yeah. yeah I I don't don't, and
6: this is just TV. Like I don't know, streaming or sure. streaming or home video, but uh, I have requested it several times and the, and I keep thinking it's going to be different and then it just doesn't mm-hmm. go so well
5: that's a great pick I mean you know hopefully people can maybe check out that Vimeo you know whatever yeah, until I they know, get it until they make it available which I wish they would I have the DVD myself but yeah. it should be more available than it is I like that movie a lot um, all right, so my number two is one I've been waiting for as many years as we've been doing the show to put it in. It's, it's kind of obvious, but it's also kind of almost a handshake movie. I probably almost put it in our second handshake episode that we did, and that's uh, Real Genius from 1985.
2: So it seems that I have something to say about what you do and where you go. So from now on, you and Mitch are going to spend every waking moment in the lab, and you will solve my power problem, and you will solve it by my deadline. Jerry. If you think that by threatening me you can get me to
3: be your slave, well, that's where you're right. But, and I'm only saying this
0: because I care, there are a lot of decaffeinated brands on the market today that are just as tasty as the real thing.
3: I'm not kidding, Chris. Neither am I, Jerry.
5: Uh, I adore the movie. Uh, Just front to back, I've seen it so many times. But I really like the soundtrack. I mean, obviously you have your uh, Tears for Fears ending, which everybody knows, everybody loves. And that was my first exposure to Tears for Fears. It was my first exposure to that song, which I think is one of the great pop songs of the 1980s, really, personally. That's just, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World to me is just amazing. I absolutely adore it. But this, I think, it took me a long time for whatever reason to put together Martha Coolidge and how great she is with music. I mean, I love, love, love Valley Girl. Talk about a movie that has had multiple editions of soundtracks, has had a volume one or volume two, and that soundtrack's amazing.
7: And that's like singles, because what I heard Tarantino on that podcast talking about was that the music in that soundtrack was coming out right then. Yes. It wasn't like behind the curve at all.
5: Yeah. Yeah, which is rare. And I think... She is just a really music-oriented director, and I think she makes some really good choices yeah. from straight down to the opening credits song, which is, um, you know, oh, fuck, I forgot who it is, but it's, you know, uh, you took advantage of me, and, it's, and that sets up, and you listen to her commentary, and that sets up the whole movie. It's literally, that song is setting up the whole movie. But there's some great montages in it. There's one to um, the Comsat Angels song, I'm Falling, which I think is a really great song uh, and a great montage. Hi. There's great use of uh, "One Night, One Night Love Affair" by Brian Adams, uh, "The Walls Came Down" by The Call, um, "All She Wants to Do Is Dance" by Don Henley. Oh A lot God, of that, that stuff. Like, oh
1: man, I, it's, it I mean, it it's super cheesy, but that's yeah. playing at their
5: little shindig that they have in the movie. Yeah. And I actually like. I think "One Night Love Affair" in particular is is so perfectly earnest in this way that it captures Mitch in that moment when he's <laughs> looking at what's her name. Um, Jordan, and anyway, that's great stuff. But for me, the greatest montage song in the movie and probably my favorite song in the soundtrack outside of The Tears for Fears is number one by Chaz Jenkel, and Chaz Jenkel was, I guess, one of the... he he came to prominence in the 70s as the guitarist and keyboardist for uh, Ian injury and the blockheads, which I didn't know. I didn't know he was part of that. Mm-hmm. But number one is just one of these great songs where it's like Mitch is, you know, trying to get ahead and he's trying to you know they're trying to make the laser better and, and it's just this great number
3: one is a heart.
5: I don't know i think an 80s montage done well with a good 80s song is is definitely a, one of my one of the things i love most because i don't feel like we do as much with montage now which oh, I is think
7: valley girl has the greatest well okay ever. no no uh, <laughs> dating montage yes that is the, I i've said that before what is that what
6: track is that
5: that's um i melt with you oh,
6: yeah, yeah, yeah modern english modern, yeah
5: no that yeah. is i've said it before that is my favorite falling in love montage ever so she has A couple of my favorite montages. I just think the number one montage in Real Genius is pretty fucking great. And it just plays perfectly. And I don't know. The whole soundtrack just really comes together in this wonderful way. But Real Genius to me is such a touchstone film and such a cult favorite. It felt so obvious. But it's another one that I feel like you know, the further we get away from 1980 what, 6? I think it came out, 85. The more I feel like it still needs to be recognized cuz I know those of us that grew up in the 80s remember it, but the young people of today definitely don't, I don't think. And so I just want to continue to perpetuate my love for real genius. It's one of the great comic performances by Val Kilmer. He is amazing and in rare form and has so many cool, just about every single line he has in the movie. Hmm is quotable just Mm -hmm. about everything he says. Um, And yeah, so I, I I just love the movie and I just, I was like, I got to find a way to work this in somewhere. This seemed as appropriate as any. So, that's my Perfect. number two.
7: Mm-hmm. Um, so I went uh, to an American indie I really love from the 90s, which I'm, I'm sure is largely forgotten. It, this this proved to be very difficult to rewatch and wasn't available in any of the video stores. This is the one I was telling him I went to the Video Vortex, which is in the Alamo Draft House, not realizing just how many things they had. But they had like a 40,000 film collection, and they had this on DVD where no other place Left in LA had the other place had on VHS. So this is uh, I have no idea how if it was a big thing here in the video store days, but where I was, it had a pretty good release. It came right after, pretty much after Scream, put David Arquette on the map, who was not still to this day not someone I really I really respond to as an actor. But in this film, he is really great. But it also is one of my favorite soundtracks. Introduced one of my favorite musicians It's called Dream with the Fishes.
3: They say from this height, it's like hitting concrete. See. The thing that would worry me is that some people survive it. Survive Liz, this is Terry. Terry wants to kill himself. Join the club. You have any fantasies, Terry? I don't know. Man, I got thousands of them. But I figure I only got time for 10 or 12 of them, though. Life insurance
7: $50,000. You help me do these things, and I'll make you the benefactor. I think you mean beneficiary? Whatever. Oh, yeah. It's by Finn Taylor, Indy from 97. Uh, the story, so it's David Arquette, Brad Hunt's really good. Uh, Kathy Moriarty comes in yeah, as an aunt towards the end, a, a sexed up aunt. She's really cool. I and about uh, that. Catherine Erb, uh, who is really good in this. But um, this is just one of those movies that really hit me at the time. I was a little worried it wasn't going to hold up. I, I would probably only start once in the theater and then listen to the soundtrack hundreds of times. Wow, it's so this, one of my favorite soundtracks. This can't
5: be streamed anywhere right now.
7: It's not yeah, nowhere. Jesus. I, I did a deep look for this film. And it was on DVD. It's, it's just obviously fallen out of
5: oh my. print. Wow.
7: But people, I'm sure, will be able to. Like, I bet you go to your library and somehow somebody's library. will still have a copy. Um, but it's a really interesting film. i have forgotten. Just, it's, it looks like it's shot on Super 16. So basically, David Arquette is a voyeur. He watches his neighbors, and he's kind of fallen in love with this woman, and doesn't like the way that her boyfriend is always, like, kind of, always out, and always talking down her, and he's, like, in love with her, but it's a total rear-window situation. He one day decides to follow the guy when the guy leaves. Like, the guy storms out, and he follows the guy. Um, he follows the guy to, who, the guy is about to hold up a convenience store, and you don't know what's, it's kind of edgy, and, and they kind of get entwined and basically, David Arquette goes to a bridge, and he's going to jump. And the other guy who was about to rob a convenience store who he's watching kind of talks him, talks him out of it by kind of telling him to do it and say, but if you do, can I have your watch? And they start up a friendship. And what you realize is Arquette seems suicidal because, because his wife has died. And some of this is the story has twists and turns towards the end. But he's, his wife has died, so he's kind of suicidal. The Brad Hunt character – is only – found out that he only has about four weeks to live. Ah, that's right. And his relationship to his girlfriend is on the rocks because he's now kind of impotent because of because of the drugs that he has to take, and he wants to live. He wants to feel. And the other guy doesn't want to live at all. And so basically he says, well, what's your life sa- – how much money do you have you saved up? You look like a straight-laced, boring dude to the Arquette. And Arquette is – it's the only time besides, like I think in Scream he's giving a really – interesting character they really like but of all the times i've seen him in a movie this is the only time i really see him playing like a real character he's very nervous he's got a lot going on uh and he uh he basically says look we'll take your savings and uh we'll live out whatever fantasies i have over the next couple weeks and then the deal will be uh once we do that if you still want to die i'll kill you before you you can't kill yourself because you're not doing a very good job at it and there's some other fun things happen at the start where he tricks him into taking pills telling him you know i'll help you kill yourself and instead they're just you know, bullsit, bull, uh, placebo pills, but it's a really, it's like a fantastic buddy film. Uh, the relationships are all like, it's very melancholy, but also bittersweet. And, and it's f- actually funny, not just like, you know, some of the scenes and some of the things they do. I don't, I don't want to ruin the moments because it's really worth tracking down. This no, is a I, film.
5: This, I totally remember this movie. I remember liking. I movie. loved we it. We had in the it theater. on VHS at my video store, but I literally haven't seen it since. But the soundtrack of this. Don't movie remember it all. Is
7: phenomenal. So, uh, some of the ones that just you know, this is how I first heard the Squirrel Nut Zippers. You know, which are fun. Uh, uh, Sad Chicken and Leroy and the Drivers. Uh, there's a local guy uh, I think in San Fran, which is where it's set, called uh, Sadness by Greg Brown, which is great. But uh, there's two I need to mention, and, and, and this is actually the first time I'd heard Wilco. Dash Seven song is in here with Jeff Tweedy. Uh, there's a beautiful song by Patty Smith, uh, Wing, uh, which is fantastic. But um, this is the, the as big as any of these tracks for me. Nick Drake became. I didn't even heard of him. In 97. This is before people knew, you know, before a lot of it started coming back out. The
6: Volkswagen commercial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
7: But Riverman uh, you know, moved me. It's it's used pretty minimally in the movie, but when I started listening to it. Gonna see the
3: Riverman. Gonna tell him all I can about the plan. If it tells me all he knows about the way his river flows,
7: like coming from someone who is totally in love with Leonard Cohen, when I heard Nick Drake's music, I was like, "Oh, he's doing that same kind of level, but Mm -hmm. he's this beautiful guitarist." Then you start reading; he's a bit of a Sid Barrett character. He's a Mm. total introvert. He wouldn't play in public, and then he died super young. He's like. 26 or so yeah Yeah. so fascinating guy but the way riverman is when i think of this movie i think of that but there's a song that like we have to play a little bit of riverman but i have to request that we play a bit of this because there's the band ween and (laughs) anyone in our generation i I am one of those people like yeah i like some of this stuff but they're also kind of annoying like like some of their tracks are obnoxious (laughs) they did this one album That was all country-western hits. It's great. And they have one track on this, which is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard, called I'm Holding You. And there's a line where he goes, And I'm holding something more precious than fine ore, baby, I'm holding you. (laughs) <laughs> and it's so fucking good. Yeah. And so I, I just want people to understand that, A, they should check out the whole Ween album, uh, but on this movie, it's perfect. So there's th- this is just loaded and it's really diverse. It's one of those, a lot of, some of it's diegetic playing on the radio, some of it's background, some of it, you know, it's. but you really kind of fall, I just, rewatching this, I was so happy the movie held up because I was a little worried. I was looking at it through the nostalgia of the soundtrack. Um, but I think people, this would be a nice uh, kind of, maybe somebody has to put this thing out again. Yeah. But yeah. the soundtrack, let alone you, could go wrong you couldn't go wrong with it so
5: nice good stuff very cool i haven't thought about that movie in 20 years
7: yeah i figured people yeah it's low profile i mean this mm-hmm. is the problem when a film falls out of you know distribution it's i
5: know
6: especially in
7: indie like a u.s indie if it's not an auteur director like i haven't seen anything that, that director's done since so
6: that that's i feel like that's the case a lot with 90s movies yeah like it just feels like there's such a bad catalog of that kind of stuff that's just nowhere to be found yeah. like it's just kind of missing yeah and it's almost weird because it's 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 been a long time uh, but it just hasn't hit that moment yet of where we're like, oh my God, let's unearth all of this stuff. So
5: it's yeah. a that's a bummer. My theory is that the 90s is the transition of VHS to DVD and some yeah. movies just didn't yeah. make it. I mean, yeah. and some did, but very quietly. And then they weren't seen as something that we need to continue to perpetuate on Blu-ray and streaming which is too bad you know I don't know why the 90s is targeted that way but especially because it was a
7: hot point for American cinema Mm -hmm. like you know because of Reservoir Dogs and Kevin Smith just everyone was hitting their strides yeah Yeah. All right, the number one
1: pick number one one
5: pick don't
6: mess it up I, I, I hope I don't mess it up well, my number one pick is my favorite soundtrack of all time. Okay.
5: Well, I can't miss that. Wait, did
7: everyone do that? Because I definitely did. No. <laughs> oh, you didn't.
1: Okay.
6: <laughs> it's my favorite soundtrack of all time. It's the it's the soundtrack like yours where I heard the soundtrack before I saw the movie. It, it's like a formative. I mean, I listen to it all the time to this day. It's it's and it and it's listed on every greatest soundtrack list ever. It's The Harder They Come from 1972. Nice.
7: nice. Jamaica's first feature is America's number one cult
6: movie.
7: Jimmy Cliff, an existential hero as good as anything James Dean or Brando portrayed in the 50s. Crawdaddy. In the backyard of paradise, life and marijuana are cheap. More guts, with humor, and sheer exuberance than most movies you'll see in any one year. Vincent Canby, New York
6: Times. So it, when, I was in, when I was in school, when I was in high school, I was into punk rock. And, you know, I got into ska music because of The Clash, basically. I'm going to admit that. I got into old uh, ska music and rock steady and early reggae because of The Clash. Because of British bands from the mm. 80s. So for me, this was a soundtrack that was like like an album that everybody was like, this is the greatest album ever. And it was just like, I listened to it constantly. School, you know, like when you're with your friends and you're like maybe under the influence of some substances. It's just like the greatest soundtrack ever. And so I finally saw the movie like... I think I was in college. I think it was probably like maybe like my junior or senior year. So when I finally was like, all right, I'm going to stop being a poser and fucking watch the movie. (laughs) And I think it was out of print for a long time too. It was like hard to find. And you know, I, I like the movie. I think it's definitely important, like in terms of Jamaican cinema, Caribbean cinema, it's like cult cinema. Yeah, cult cinema. I mean it was a midnight movie and so literally
5: comes out on Blu ray as of today, tomorrow. Oh, oh cool. really? Shot Factory. Oh yeah. So nice that you picked it. It's good. Yeah,
6: yeah. And it's also gonna play on TCM Underground. It already nice, has, but it's gonna nice. it's gonna reappear. Nice. Um It's like I wrote this on this sheet. I said it's literally impossible for me to pick a favorite song off the soundtrack because I just like everything. I mean, Jimmy Cliff has many tracks on it. Obviously, he's the star of the movie. I mean, he was a musician already before the movie came out. And, you know, it's just kind of like to me, it's the thing that like the soundtrack is just like the definitive you know, one of the most definitive reggae albums to ever be made, right? And so, for me, everything is a jam on here. Like literally, every song is fucking good. <laughs> and so, I, you know, had heard of Desmond Decker, and you know, I'm a, I was a big Toots and the Maytals fan, and that—that that I think is my favorite song on the soundtrack is the "Sweet and Dandy." You know, in the movie it's like the actual group like toots and the maytals are singing like they're doing it in the studio and you know basically it's the kind of thing where jimmy cliff is running errands i think for leslie kong who's the actual leslie kong in the film who's uh producing this track and um he kind of pops in on the recording session and he's like oh shit i want to do that like i want to be <laughs> a musician so it's kind of cool there's like Actual reggae legacy in the movie but I will say that like a band that I had not had heard not really had heard of before I listened to Soundtrack was this group called the Melodians and I swear to God they're the greatest like they're just the greatest ever like the like the Song Rivers of Babylon is Hmm. insane it's just so good. It's like sad, but it's like it's mellow and it's just it's just incredible. By the Like, the, if you track down the rest of the Melodians songs, they're all fucking awesome. And, like, that was the thing where I was, like, you know, just had had heard the kind of heavy hitters like Desmond Decker and Jimmy Cliff, but then, like, realizing that there's other stuff on here, like the Slickers and the Melodians, which the Melodians were a huge discovery for me. So, anyway, I um, love this soundtrack so much. It's unspeakable. I, like I said, I still listen to it. And, yeah, I think in the movie itself, I think, is a great time capsule of Jamaica, of just sort of like midnight film, cult cinema. It's you know, definitely it's not a a slick picture. Mm. It's not, you know it's it's rough around the edges and it's, it's outsider, really yeah, know. it's really cool,
5: yeah, no, I can't wait to get the blu-ray. I'm so excited, yeah, that's just cool.
6: look because the last time I saw it i I will say it looked like shit I'm like I think I yeah, yeah. I must have saw, I've, I probably saw it on like a streaming site or something to be honest and I was like it did not look good hmm. so
5: yeah no I'm looking forward to that but that's a great soundtrack that's a great pick I think I have the vinyl but I definitely was exposed to some, I didn't remember the melodians and some of the deeper cuts on it but I definitely remember hearing it and I'm not a reggae guy personally Yeah, no offense to anyone um, but it was one of those where I was like okay I get this this makes sense to me absolutely musically it's just like so incredible so
6: yeah I mean I'll just I will I'm not an authority on it necessarily but i I, I think that reggae music and soul and like it can go as deep as like soul like it just really like absolutely. you can really find some gems in there and you know a lot of a lot of stuff has been re-released and there's all these different compilations I mean shit Trojan records w- w- you know they put out so many comps and they're just like kind of recycling the same songs
1: <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest
6: but there's actual like Really, really, it can go really deep, and it's it's, it's fascinating. But I understand it. it's like you know. I think uh, reggae has been you know, I'm aligned a little bit by, like, uh, soccer guys from college and shit. I was just, like,
5: college dorm rooms and...
6: Yeah, like that part in Ghost World that you're talking about. <laughs> 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 totally. <laughs> like, let's go to the reggae. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. with yeah.
7: the cotton
1: picking.
5: There's a, there's it's a, there's a, I think there's a great scene in Kicking and Screaming, too, where they're in a dorm room and they're listening to Bob Marley or something. And yeah. it's just, it's incredibly douchey in that scene. I'm not saying... But, yeah, but and it's I mean, played it, it, for that kind of comedy. It's it, like, it,
6: oh, yeah. You kind of have to maybe. It's like it's like that thing where you're kind of like, okay, um, the fans of this may not always be awesome, but the music is awesome. So, <laughs> but
5: nice. Yeah, good stuff. Good pick. Um, all right, my number one. I am going to the middle of a trilogy by Lindy Anderson. This is the Mick Travis trilogy. Um, includes if. This movie and then Britannia Hospital. Uh, I think this is the best. I think I may even prefer this to like, If. Yeah, Dude,
7: this is one of my favorite movies. When I, when I saw this pop up in your letterbox, I was like, oh, shit. Because yeah. <laughs> I think I'd been thinking about like, how, where it would fit in. So. Yeah,
5: this is Oh, Lucky Man from
3: 1973. Smile. Smile, Mr. Spaulding. Imperial product is good. But people don't buy things just because they're good. They have to believe. And you have to inspire that belief. You have to believe. Remember the words of William Blake. A sincere belief that anything is so will make it so.
8: If you have a friend on whom you think you can rely, you are a lucky man. If you found the reason to live on and not to die, you are a lucky man. Preachers and
7: poets and scholars don't know it. Two VHS boxes It's my memory of when I rented it's
1: a, it. it it's
5: a, two a, like nine minutes shy of three hours. It's yeah. really epic but it's interesting in rewatching it for this and watching some of the extra features as a documentary with malcolm McDowell talking about his whole career mm-hmm. but he has a great bit where he talks about I, I maybe can just drop in a clip but he's talking about like being at i think con where they won for if and
3: we were walking down the closet and i remember saying to lindsay in my youthful enthusiasm you know Lindsay, we should make another film we're a very good team in which case he stopped. He had a sort of emperor's nose, and he looked down his nose at me and made me feel as if I was, you know, two inches high. And he said, Malcolm, do you think good scripts fall from the trees like leaves? If you want to do another film with me, I suggest that you write it. And he walked off, and I, and I sort of looked at him, and I said, well, I, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And so I started writing this script called Coffee Man.
5: And so he did start to write a script, and it's sort of based on his own experience. It's about the McTrav. They they ended up making it the McTravis character, I guess, to sort of continue on, because they couldn't come up with a better name Mm. than that. Um, And he sort of gets a job uh, working for a coffee company, Mm. and he goes down to South America and, and... there's there's a lot of unrest and it just becomes this – it's just really one of those movies that goes into – it's a very occult movie in, in the way that it goes and meanders into these different places. He encounters different pe- odd people. Um, it's as
7: close as I think western a Western filmmaker has made to Bunuel. Like I think, in terms that of makes that sense. surrealism, yeah, that, that level makes sense. Totally. it's like realistic. The performances aren't surreal, but something will happen that you're watching it going, What? And then you real and then it has one of the greatest reveal scenes ever within the with the science experiments. Yes. And there's a couple moments you wouldn't want to spoil in this movie that are pure cult Yes,
5: absolutely. No. Point. Well, and then the other thing that makes it so great is the soundtrack yeah. by Alan Price, who is most known I think as the keyboardist for the animals. I think he was Yeah. Original it's in keyboardist. The film the music, yeah, and so he's it, which is really interesting because it starts, it was intended to be sort of a Greek chorus kind of thing. And, Al, and Alan Price is on the commentary, which is neat because he talks about a couple things, including the song that I'm going to highlight um, the origin of that song. But he talks about the Greek chorus thing. So they're in the movie in a little studio singing these songs that were written for this movie that comment on the movie. And then midway through the movie, Mick Travis runs into them and he actually they actually become characters in the movie and they're still doing their thing. But the music is so good. He he wrote some really incredible songs for this soundtrack. and I rarely there are, there are occasions where I've seen music that was written for movies and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good, you know but it's not like something that I want to listen to outside of that movie. And this music is so good that you're just like, holy shit." I just want to play this album on repeat. It's, it's like a great album. It's like one of the, it's one of my favorite albums. Like I put it up there again with the Odyssey and Oracles, the Pet Sounds, and the, you know, just the the records that I absolutely, the uh, Full Moon Fevers, albums that I love. I'll listen to it over and over again. Um, he does. Uh, a, and also, I should say that this movie. I don't know why it's not quite as well known as it sort of should be because. It's on the heels of Clockwork Orange. It's the movie he does after Clockwork Orange. All the heat from that show. I like it more. I do, too. I I definitely like it more than Clockwork. And I like Clockwork, but this is a movie I'll watch more. Uh, It's got a very young Helen Mirren, which is never a bad thing, ever, uh, she's great but I, so i don't really i don't know if it's the length or the surreal nature yeah maybe and, it's a little and weird it's
7: british you know who knows yeah it.
5: i don't know what it is but he's he's playing like a kind of similar character in some traits to his character in clockwork and he's he's expanding on it i feel like it's it's a really interesting complementary movie to clockwork orange that a lot of people haven't seen um, it still needs a Blu-ray which is a bummer but it is streaming just about everywhere you'd want to look uh, and I think it's even on YouTube in a full version but
7: unfortunately Britannia Hospital does not yeah no, that's a that's the trilogy down
5: yeah it does kind of let the air out of the tires of that it's it's fine but it definitely doesn't it's compare not to special like this If and, and this yeah. are just amazing um, but uh, the track I'm going to highlight uh, outside of the title track which is great there's a song called Poor People that he sings which is definitely prescient mm-hmm.
8: poor Stay poor people And they never get to see Someone's got to win In the human race If it isn't you Then it has to be me So smile while you're making it Laugh while you're taking it Even though you're
5: faking it Nobody's gonna know And he has a whole story He tells about being in a, I don't know, it's like a house or something.
8: I remember one particular song, the genesis of the song, Poor People. There was an industrial strike going on in Great Britain at that time. The rubbish had not been collected. The refuse workers were on strike. I was living in a little flat. It was a rented, well, a rented house which uh, had some songbooks, I read it from a fellow musician. And there were some Noel Coward songs on a shelf in a songbook, and I took them out and I looked at the chord sequence. And I liked the chord sequence, I forget what the tune was. And I was looking out of the window in this little muse, uh, this backyard, and all the refuse uh, sacks were stacked about 10 foot high. And out of the grate crawled a rat, and the rat sat by the sink. And it stared up at the window, and it saw me, and it didn't move. And I thought about, because I came from a working-class background in the northeast of England, I thought of the poverty that I'd seen. And I'd also, after I'd become famous and gone to America, uh, seen how the other half lived. Uh, especially in Los Angeles, I could see both sides of the coin. And so I came up with the idea of poor people, smile while you're making it. Because my mother had said to me, it doesn't matter how you get, what you do in life, as long as you smile, you'll get away with anything. It's almost sketches as like Harold and Maud's soundtrack. It's,
5: it know? totally it reminds is. reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah, song. I think in some ways, it's a little peppier yeah. than that. And I love the Harold Maude Maud yeah. music. I love the Cat Stevens stuff there. But um yeah, it's it's up there for me with that kind of movie, and the the movie all told together with these musical interludes has just this incredible construction. That as meandering as it is, just feels such like a master film. It's just so well put together that I just I finished it and I was like, "Fuck, that's just a great goddamn movie," mm-hmm. you know. And that to have a great soundtrack album you can listen to separate is a total bonus, but. Man, what a one of my favorite Lindsay Anderson films for sure, yeah. you know, good stuff, good stuff. All oh, bring up
7: the Sporting Life ones?
5: I, I, like I you, brought up Oh Lucky Man on a Patreon episode a long yeah, time ago. I feel, like,
7: I feel like you did one of the, uh, those kind of British kitchens. I mean, that's what's weird. Is Saturday the Night and life, Sunday Morning? That's the you did. But so. The Sporting Life, you would never know yeah. that filmmaker is the guy making this movie because he's ch- totally, ch- and if if's much more of a surrealist.
6: And he made Wham! in China. Oh, really? <laughs> I did
1: not know that. <laughs> did you know that? Did
6: that's not. why you're here. Because <laughs> somebody um, awesome. needs to. Well, uh, I'll Explain tell you, Wham he, made, China? he made a documentary about Wham! And going to China in wow. the 80s. Uh, hard to find. I had it's like on eight thousand parts on YouTube. Okay,
5: uh, I have and to it look into the-
6: Like shit, <laughs> but it's great. Like I was like, Lindsay, Ander- Lindsay Anderson directed this? this. Is amazing. That's oh, I'm funny.
5: fucking so in on that. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome.
7: All right, my number one soundtrack. Uh, So we did um, our last Scorsese episode last month. Uh, It would be tied. I have two favorite sound Break, um, not what is it called? Um, Bringing Out the Dead is definitely one of my favorites, but we already talked about it. And my favorite track on that, You Can't Put Your Arm Around a Memory by Johnny Thunders, is one of my two favorite all-time tracks ever used in movies. So that's one. My other one's on this one. Uh, This is a film a girl I was really into showed me this movie, and I was like, oh, I really like this movie, Breaking the Waves by Lars von Trier.
3: Bess McNeil. For many years, you've prayed for love. Shall I take it away from you again? Is that what you want? Oh, No, I'm still grateful for love. What do you want, then? I pray for Jan to come home. He will be coming home in 10 days. You must learn to endure. You know that.
7: And I was like, this is a great movie. Really painful. And I was right probably, what, 96? So I started probably 97. I've
5: seen it exactly one time.
7: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it's, you know, great performances. I liked it a lot. Uh, didn't really fully register the music, but what I registered was how it was using the soundtrack was interesting because there's almost no music in the movie itself. The, the scenes are all long sequences, but it's split into chapters, and every chapter break, uh, they play uh, half a song. Like it's a long, so it'll be a still shot of the sea, and it'll just play. The, like ah, almost yes. the whole song. I remember this, and time. it really is an original way to use the music, and it really sets something up because, uh, you know, well, if you haven't seen the film, it's part of uh, von Trier's. It's really his breakthrough film. Uh, it's part of his uh, Pure Heart uh, trilogy, or m- maybe every movie is him trying to do this, <laughs> except his, and say how's the house that Jack built, um, but it's uh, Emily Watson. Uh, playing this very naive, uh, sheltered, religious Scottish woman uh, who has never been with man and really knows very little and and has devoted her life to Christ by cleaning the church and doing all this stuff. When it opens, she's trying to get permission from these very strict elders to marry some new guy she met who's one of these longshore workers who is just one of the greatest actors to ever live Stellan Skarsgård, Skysgard, especially because he's totally nude in this movie <laughs> and lets it all hang out, and he has to teach her about <laughs> sex. Uh, they get married, and she the first thing – the religious people ask her is like you know you're like what has this person brought to our community and she's just like oh, the music and so I think even though they never really show him with the music or playing music I get the feeling like the music we're hearing as the interchapters <laughs> is somehow representing the thing that is meant to be bringing into her life uh they, there's some amazing sequences between the two of them as they fall as they're falling in love and you see him really patient he's really actually not a bad guy like it's it's kind of a beautiful thing to watch as they start to fall in love uh and then he goes back on the boat uh and is and it's remind me a little bit of there will be blood he gets in an industrial accident and comes back uh paralyzed from the the neck down and then the film takes a much different tone uh, and goes dark uh, mm-hmm. where he basically says to her, I want to know what it's like you know, for you to be – I need to keep feeling sexual, but I can't do anything. I need you to be with different men and then tell me about it. And unfortunately, she gets it in her, in her head. It's not really him who does it, uh, even though he's definitely controlling her. She gets it in her head that if she does these things, each time she does it, it will make him a little better and he will eventually be cured by her debasing herself – it will actually heal him and it's really sad and there's a really fucked up scene with Udo Kier that's utterly disturbing uh, and it's, an, it's a it's a really interesting movie. Watching it again last night, we got the Criterion, hadn't seen it since that first viewing uh, and I think it's a very good film, very good performance. It's not my favorite Von Trier film but this soundtrack is not, it's not even close if you ask me my favorite soundtracks. This one is like two heads above the next soundtrack. That's how good this is. Uh, and it has, and when I get to my favorite track ever, I'll tell you why. Uh, so it has you know All the Way from Memphis by uh, Mott the Hopple, which is badass. They're blowing the wind. Uh, it has... Uh, what are some of that? Some Wait, of isn't
5: that- it All the Way from Memphis in um, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore? It could be. There's a yeah, Mott track in there.
7: Hot Love by T-Rex. <laughs> nice. Uh, Suzanne by Leonard Cohen. Uh, wow. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Elton John. Whiskey in the Jar by Thin Lizzy, which is Fucking awesome in this. Uh, Child in Time, Deep Purple, Life on Mars, David Bowie, Your Song, Elton John at the end, which is just utterly heartbreaking. Um, But there's two. One, one that I just—it's just amazing. Virginia Plain by Roxy Roxy Music. Awesome, and the way it's—I think it's the only track in this that uh, isn't one of the interchapters. It shows them falling in love and having fun, and it plays to this, and it's great. But here's the thing: I grew up in New Zealand, where this guy, when I was a kid, was like all the housewives would go out to see this guy, and he'd come to New Zealand on tour, and I would always go, oh, "Why is this guy famous? This guy sucks! Boo!" Like seriously, a mom guy—he's like you know the milf man. Uh, I hated this guy growing. Up. I'm not kidding. And when I heard this soundtrack, so I, I, after, after this uh, girl showed me this movie, I moved into the dorms at my first year in college, and my roommate, I don't even know if he'd seen the movie, but he listened to the soundtrack all the time, and, he, and that's where I fell in love with it. And any time that Rod Stewart is the coolest motherfucker in the room, you have to question what's going on with that group, and it's because he does it with a guy called Python Lee Jackson. It's playing the guitar, making it sound like the coolest track ever, and it's called In a Broken Dream.
3: Every day I spend my time drinking wine, feeling fine, waiting here to find the sign that I can understand. Yes, I am. In the days between the hours, ivory towers, bloody flowers, push their heads into the air, I don't care.
7: And it is probably my favorite single song I've ever discovered through a soundtrack. And and for me, who really never liked Rod Stewart, I was not a fan. And I've gone back later and gone, oh, he's got some good tracks. But because I was middle-aged, Rod Stewart I was seeing. Not, oh, yeah. It's like you know, forever young yeah. Rod Stewart. But <laughs> this guy is so badass. And this song is just great. And the way it's put into the movie it was like discovering a little piece of magic. And there's, and there's some great tracks on this thing. Uh, but when we talk about a whole soundtrack, when I listen to this from start to end, and I do the same with Bring Out the Dead and the same with Jackie Brown, it's the whole, each track is like topping the next yeah. and speaking to the next. And it's really fantastic. But trust me on that track, In a Broken Dream. Man, Rod Stewart, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? It was my pick of the day, Rod Stewart.
5: <laughs> I saw it coming.
7: Ah, oh, you did. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I probably played it. I might have played was on, it on a Patreon. one of
5: the episodes that you played
7: oh, for a Patreon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do know a photographer <laughs> is kind of great. Uh, one of my first jobs was out here is uh, Norman Seif. He takes that big Billy Wilder photo of Billy Wilder that's at the Billy Wilder Museum. That face. He's a famous celebrity photographer, and I was working for him. I'd I, I, I ask about his process. Would always be to ask the people's inner feelings and what was going on. Then he would take their photo. And he said, "Then I said, did that ever backfire on <laughs> you?" And he goes, "Only once." He's from South Africa. Uh, Rod Stewart came in and I was taking his photo. I asked him about his inner turmoil. He punched me in the stomach and walked out. Oh,
5: sure. <laughs> and I was like, Ron
7: Stewart, you're badass. Who would have known?
5: <laughs> so, you know, that's cool. Just punched yeah. you in the stomach yeah, and walked out. just walked out
7: of a photo wow. shoot. Wow. So that is our, our lists. Any, any discards that just to list off before we, anything any you almost wanted to put, bring up or.
5: Anything that almost made it?
6: I mean, Valley Girl was really close. Right, sure. um, you know, cause when I was thinking about these obvious soundtracks, I was like, yeah, definitely Valley Girl. Um, Days and Confused was one that I was going to add. So good. Um, Yeah, I mean, I got caught up, I think, a little bit on whether, like, there's definitely, like, um, music that's in the movie that they didn't do a soundtrack for when I was kind of like, oh, Mm. I don't know if I should technically include it. But because I'm not, and I might be wrong about this. I'm going to say it right now. But did they ever release a Ferris Bueller's Day Off soundtrack? Mm. Like, uh, don't at the time the movie came out I mean, maybe so. now but
5: um, see i don't know that's a what good
6: question like crazy. yeah I, and that was like one rose like oh that's a move that's one where i think everybody remembers the soundtrack but then i was like i don't know if it actually had a release yeah
5: i don't hmm. uh, it's a good question. and the only
6: reason why i asked that is because <clears throat> <laughs> i swear i have a, a co-worker at tcm who bought like somebody had this was back in the day before streaming before spotify um, where he had to like buy albums. Um, but essentially, they, because there wasn't a soundtrack, someone on eBay made the soundtrack mm. and was selling it. Uh, he would burn you a CDR or something like that, and you could like buy this like bootleg Ferris Bueller's Day Off soundtrack. But um, yeah, that one almost made my list. And That's crazy.
5: Yeah, there's a UK import that I can't tell the legitimacy of. But- yeah. Um, beat City by the Flowerpot Men, I think, is one of the great. Yeah. That's the when they first take the car out, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, it's a great. And there's song.
6: that um, English beat song, The March of the Swivelheads, which is like such a good song.
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah,
6: yeah. but uh, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I again, every time mm-hmm. I come on this podcast, I know no, you got to make. You cool. know, I it's like I have a list a million miles long, and
5: then I'm like, oh shit, I gotta whittle it down.
7: Mm-hmm. So I thought Ghost Dog was gonna come up. I don't know why. I'm, I,
5: I, I, are there enough song songs on yeah. it though? RZA does okay. a whole bunch. Okay, I wasn't. Stuff. I thought for some reason I remembered it being more a score-ish, but. I've yeah, talked about
7: U-Turn a lot on the show, but that has a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I just love the movie, but the soundtracks, it's kind of like Fear and Loathing, where it's all this kind of, all the ones you would expect from that kind of world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there, there's one I, I've i never seen this movie because I, I wanted to see this five-hour cut of it, but uh, another person who I think is one of the other best soundtrack makers of film Vendors. And Until the End of the World is this brilliant soundtrack. It makes you too cool. Like, everyone on it's cool. Um, it's like, and it's hard to make you too cool now. Like, at the time, it was easy. Uh, it's a great soundtrack, but I've, and I've listened to it 50 times, but I, I don't want to see the two and a half hour cut because I've heard I, I think soon we're getting it this five out the version he always intended nice. rem- I think there's a film print even going around uh, which is super cool Diving Bell and the Butterfly I think is one of the great soundtracks recent soundtracks but uh, there, there's one I wanted to mention no one will ever see this movie in this part of the world I bet it's a new, little New Zealand indie uh, but it has the best soundtrack of all the indie artists in New Zealand it it like melts my heart because it's all the tracks I grew up on. But it's called Topless Woman Talk About Their Lives, and it's kind of a joke title because a guy makes it like a, a really bad like trying to be like European movie in that And his films called Topless Woman, and it literally has Topless women doing doing laundry <laughs> talking about, it, and it's really terrible. But the movie's just uh, a film about like lots of twenty somethings falling in and lo- uh, love and their relationship. But if you can track it down, it's a really cool little indie. But the soundtrack's just so good. It's my favorite. it's one of the best soundtracks. So. Yeah, nice.
5: Never heard of it. good stuff. Um, I had uh, the Strawberry statement on my list. Um, Mr. Tarantino used a song from this one. Uh, Circle game plays when uh, when Sharon Tate picks up the Hitchhiker and goes to park mm-hmm. in Westwood at the movie theater. Well, yeah. It's a beautiful song and it's one of the it's the, it plays over the opening credits of Strawberry Statement. Um, and it's, it's a really good movie. And it also has, you know, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash. It's a really solid soundtrack. It was very close to getting my list. Uh, The Karate Kid almost made my list just because I think people know Cruel Summer and You're the Best, uh, but there's a lot of other Desire by Gang of Four. Uh, I like, you know... Young Hearts by Commuter uh, when they go on their first date. I think that song is beautiful, and I think it's really well used. Bebop on the Beach, which is just a straight Beach Boys rip, I think is good. Um, Angus is a good soundtrack. Oh,
6: my God, that almost made my list. Yeah, right? I, I was thinking it was, like, n- impossible to, like – because I, I, for some reason, never saw the movie, like, for a really long time because it was, like, one of those lost movies Yeah, like where I was like – and I don't know, it might be out now, Ang-
5: but – uh, I think uh, Warner Archive put it on a disc. DVD. Oh, they did. So it's available. Yeah. I don't know if it's streamable or not, but it's really good. Like, it's a oh. really sweet movie, and the soundtrack.
6: Those Ash songs, oh, that yeah. band Ash, oh my God. Kung, yeah. That song Kung Fu is so great. Yeah,
5: it's, it's so a really good. good soundtrack. It was definitely a big hit on indie alternative radio in the nineties yeah, to the point where I was like almost sick of it, but there's some really good stuff on there. Um, and my last one was goodbye Columbus. Uh, the movie with Ali McGraw and Richard Benjamin, uh, the association does the soundtrack. It's, it's mostly two or three songs, but it's that, you know, sixties, you know, bunch of, you know, folks singing together kind of sound. It's, it's a good sound and it's neat to have it carried through the movie. It was almost one I picked for my single artist mm. one, but it's a good movie and it's definitely one that is streamable, but not on Blu-ray. And I feel like doesn't get talked about almost at all. And it's great. So that, that was where my, Honorables.
7: There's one other director who I wanted to mention who's actually really good at soundtracks, but I couldn't decide between them. It's Abel Ferrer. Like, go through all um, his films. I mean, he's got the thing for school D, but he's uh, like, but some of them, I, th- I actually <laughs> almost went with Fear City, which is a lot of fun, because a lot of the the songs the girls are stripping to and stuff, and it's really sleazy, but some of that's really fun. But, like, all his films are interesting soundtracks. They're very eclectic. It shows the guy probably actually has really interesting taste. I'm sure. He, he, he's a guy with the personality he puts forward versus the movie. It's just fascinating to me. Like, yeah. But uh yeah, some good stuff time.
5: Yeah. That's uh that's about it though for soundtracks, I think. I
7: right. think that is it for soundtracks. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming <laughs> on again.
6: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah, this so this is
5: this is great. I feel like an, it was a really solid uh, you know, group and a lot of different stuff and I thought actually we'd have some crossover but um, thankfully not there's just so much good stuff I out there I think we're
7: gonna have to make a mixtape of all these songs and yeah. put it somewhere <laughs> out Spotify, there in the Spotify I think we'll makes the some most sense that you can find
5: it, yeah we'll you know. have to put together a Spotify or you
6: can time. just start burning people CDRs <laughs> there we and yeah. go. S- mailing them <laughs> get old yeah. school with
5: it yeah. Yeah. yeah I may do that I
7: don't know but it's <laughs> fun to, to look at movies from a different angle the music angle it's, it's fun because we haven't really done that yet so.
5: yeah and we haven't had a music episode since Rob was on like yeah. two years ago so scores, right? yeah it was a long long time ago well we'll do scores one day yeah we gotta do scores too so but anyway thanks folks hope you enjoyed this musical journey
7: yeah and thanks to the patrons who uh keep uh, keep the show going
5: yeah check out pcp radio if you dug this episode it's kind of something we do along the lines of this and i don't know it's fun we like we like music as well as movies uh at pcp headquarters you can
7: follow millie where
6: uh i'm on twitter at millie Decherico, and i'm also uh at at tcm underground so those are two spots on the web. Oh, and when's the
7: live show? Is that because this isn't going to be played till September, though?
6: So. Oh, September fifth.
7: Okay, this might play after that. Yeah. yeah. Shoot. Well. What? What happened? How'd the live show go? <laughs> uh,
6: it went really well. Was very oh, successful. Hard ticket to Hawaii. Sold out. Nice. Congrats.
7: Frisbee Carnage. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, you will be coming back again. I hope because we always have the best.
6: I will totally come whenever you told me to. So oh, woo. Yeah. All right. Well, take <laughs> it. thank
1: you.
7: <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm <laughs> sorry.